Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With our latest episode, it's back on Zoom and a post-match review episode in which Peter and I are joined by a former guest of once, well, a couple of times before. It's um, Tony Bloom's sound-alike, Emilio, the Fulham fan. <laughs> hi, hi, Emilio. How are you? Hi, doing? Ross. Hello, Peter. Nice to be back. Thanks for inviting me to the show. It's... Uh... Yeah, looking forward to doing it because I think there's obviously a lot of um, a lot of angst against Fulham. I think amongst the Brighton fan base, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see a little hear your opinion because it's uh, you know there's, there's always two sides to every story. I don't want to get into any argument. I want to say quite grounded, like I normally am, very pragmatic and very honest in my opinion. So yeah, I'm not going to antagonise anyone. I'll, I'll see. I'll tell you how I saw it without being biased. That's, that's my Excellent. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and fair play for coming on. As, as I was saying just off air, actually, I think this is the first time we actually had a rival fan, um, so to speak, coming on um, after the match. We've had loads of preview ones, but I think this may be a first, um, believe it or not, in 317. You're privileged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thank so you. there we go. Um, excellent. Yeah, well, and um, we'll get into the into the match in just a moment. Just first of all, quick catch up. How have you been? And how have you found it back in the prem again? What's this? Two years back in now, isn't it? I think is that right? Yeah, second year now. So this, you know, we had a very good season last year. I think we, I think we punched above our weight for the best part of the season. If I'm honest with you, Russ. But yeah. you know, we we had a chance to push on in the summer. I thought we clearly we had a lot of turmoil at the club. You know, we had play, you know, players leaving. Obviously, Mitrovic going was a blow, but. I'm just disappointed that we were in February. We were safe, we were good in a good position. We should have started to secure a few signings or get some commitment of signing in the mm. summer, ready for the start of the season. We should have pushed on, but unfortunately, with all the situation with the manager, was he staying? Is he going? Is he going to Saudi Arabia? Mitrovic staying, going? All that uncertainty resulted in not many key acquisitions. So we, we didn't strengthen in key places. We've got an aging squad at the moment. We're lacking goal threat, which is a problem. But you know. It's, I think we're good enough to stay in this division, but it's. I always knew it was going to be a harder season than last year. And I think second season syndrome, I think, is clearly kicking in. But if we had a, got a proven goal scorer, I think we'd, we'd be comfortably mid-table. I think we're good enough to stay up. There's worse teams out there, but goals are coming a little bit hard to come by at the moment. But you know, but the manager's now signed on the dotted line. He signed an extension. 
yeah. we will then be able to attract the right personnel probably in January next year. And then we can push on because at the end of the day, if you're a player and you don't, your manager's not likely to be there next season, why would you want to join the club? So that's, we've overcome that now. He's committed to the club. Paulinho signed an, an extension. You know, there's, there's some good times ahead. We've just got to stay in this division for now, which I think we will. I think we're good enough to stay up. Uh, you don't see any danger of you going down. I think the, oh. uh, the promoted teams are so dreadful that... Mm. There's I think well, already, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, the thing is, the thing is, this is what I'm seeing is obviously the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool that had, well, Chelsea had a poor season last year, not particularly great this year either. But the other clubs are starting to push on a little bit. But it's a little bit more tighter at the top. I think there's, there's a, less of a gap between the top four or five. Tottenham going into the mix. It'd probably be harder for you guys to stay as competitive as those teams. I think the likes of Villa and Newcastle have probably pushed on a little bit from yourselves. You've sold they, yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, we lost three or four, three or four of our best players, yeah. and we brought a few in. But whereas Villa and Newcastle have just brought in players, they've not lost any of their best. And no, yeah, especially with us having, I, mean, I know they've got Europe as well, but certainly compared to one or two of those teams, lower, you know, maybe who expect to do let more or expect to be lower down. We've yeah, we've got a lot of games as well. We've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Yeah, I so said that's why I think the two clubs are very similar. I think we've said that before, Russ, haven't we? Peter. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to stay competitive against those top. The fact that you've managed to get to Europe is, is a massive accomplishment, like we did, was it, 10, 15 years ago, same ourselves. And, but to stay in touch is getting harder and harder and harder. We Neither yeah. can afford the salaries those other clubs can afford to pay. We're not and in, in reality, we, we, came, we came sixth because Tottenham and Chelsea had really poor seasons and because Villa didn't appoint Emery earlier. I mean, yeah. if Villa reported Emery earlier, a bit earlier... They're only one point behind us, in. and Tottenham had a dreadful season. Only finished one point behind us as well. So I mean, it's it is because of you know you you rely a bit. I mean, to be fair, that's what that's what won less of the title. If it wasn't, yeah. they had a great season, but most seasons that wouldn't have won them the title. Exactly, exactly. It's just everyone else was, you know, you're relying on a lot of teams struggling. Exactly, and I think that's why now it's. I think the gap between Fulham and Brighton is a little bit closer this season, but I think similar patterns: sold good key players, not replaced, and you've got you're the same position as us. You could have pushed on and actually stayed as competitive, not more. But again, you've lost your key, some of your key players, and you, the, the owners haven't replaced them all. The, the main thing is being a stable club, you know, financially viable. That's very, that's important. But be keen to understand again what the expectation of the club is: is to continue getting into Europe, or is it yeah. just? It, it's it's the same debate. Where does it? You know, a cup run is probably what we both aspire to have, and obviously securing Premier League survival is is a minimum that we both want to look for. But that's that's the thing that we're playing in the cup. This, I think tomorrow against Ipswich again I think that's going to be a difficult game but that's going to be our best chance of silverware put your best team out they're trying to win it was I think the manager will protect the players for the Premier League game on Saturday so it's again it's priorities whereas I don't think we've got the squad to be able to rotate that dramatically between cup and league game that's a bit like yourselves I think yeah yeah I mean we we, we're actually quite glad to be out the league cup because it's our one week off and about (laughs) about other than international, because our one week midweek off or pretty much for about three months or whatever in either side of it. So Yeah, and we we should actually have won that game. We had two yeah. I mean Sanchez gifted us two glorious chances that we if we'd taken the first half we'd have probably gone to win. But actually, yeah, I think it's the best thing for us. But I agree with you. I think I think Casado was a big one for us. McAllister was always going and was replaceable. We were never going to keep Colwell. Sanchez by the end of the season was second choice. The big one was Casado. I think the club genuinely thought we were going to keep him at the start, at one point, and I think that's why we didn't. We, normally, we'd have someone in place like we did for Casado when Basuma left. 
Then mm. we had we didn't, and that was where. And we and Belabor started to show that he could do it, but he's nineteen and has played about twenty games in the French league, and it's a huge ask to ask someone yeah. to come in yeah. from the French league at nineteen for twenty games to replace the player who was your best player. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Having said that, Adingra is a good player that um, we signed and loaned out mm. and has come in and he's doing really well. Fatty, obviously, a sensational signing on loan uh, mm. for the season. And um, taking into account, we've had injuries. And I think partly and why... Pedro's done pretty well as well. Pedro's done well as well. Yeah, he's been a good signing mm. for us. But I mean, we've had we've had injuries all through the season. We've had some issues to smaller degrees with Duncan, Ferguson and Lalana, um And obviously... Ross missed a few. Was long term, he's come back, but he's been injured. We're not sure for how long. Obviously, now we've got Welbeck and March out for longer term, and Modder's only just coming back after yeah. a year. And CISO destroyed Wolves, and yeah. then was that, it's been now out for like four months from that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, we seem to have, every time a player seen have a good few games, they seem to then get injured. Yeah. I don't think we've particularly weakened since last season, actually. I, I do think technically we would have moved, stepped on if it wasn't for the, as, as Peter said, this, this massive matter of Casado, because what he does, in our team is he gives us that element of protection in a very flamboyant style where we uh, obviously we, we sit entice the uh, the press go around them but when that goes wrong when we get caught on the break or just in general when we're on an attack and there's a break um he just provided that enforcer role and i think belabor's getting getting there and he's that kind of player but it's yes it's a it's a bit off, a big yeah. ask yeah. to, to to have him come in as a young player with very little experience in general and obviously a whole bunch of new teammates and and play to that level because Casado mm. was absolutely exceptional. Best um, player we've ever had. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Chelsea haven't seen anything of him yet, really, to be honest with you. And he could have, he probably should have got sent off at the weekend. <laughs> anyway, that's another matter. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a work in progress. I think, Emilio, our um, our general plan is to step on, which at the moment probably means trying to achieve the same status this season as last season mm. in terms of the league and a good run in Europe. A good run in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think that we would take that or not doing so well in one of those two competitions and getting silverware in another. So <clears> win an FA Cup, great. Yeah, would if we st- if we're in the league, reason yeah. position and we win an FA Cup, uh, it doesn't matter what happened in Europe and vice versa. If we did well in Europe, even if it's the conference rather than the Europa League, yeah, where that goes, we'd take that and you know go out in the third round of the FA Cup if we could. Mm-hmm. Well, ideally, we just want to get our first ever bit of silverware um, before yeah. Palace do. <laughs> That's the general idea. <laughs> well, it sounds like the rivalry is more between Fulham and Brighton than with Palace these days. I don't know what it is with the uh, the rivalry between these two clubs. I don't get it. Yeah. Don't well, l- let's get on to it. Um, so you, you um, guys have played us now. That's the seventh game in the Premier League over uh, presumably two spells. Um, when you've, you've been three in, spells, uh, isn't it? Or three spells, three spells yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, seven seven games. We've not won any. I think it's three wins for you and four draws. I believe is the stat, um, including the game at the weekend. Um, th- I think I'm right in saying we've won the last five in the championship before promotion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were the bogey team for you before. Well, funny how these things happen, isn't it? Yeah. yeah can't, can't we move that back round again, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I still think we're paying for that game at Craven Cottage in the promotion season, where. I think we yeah. had two minutes where we were on top and you had 88 and we somehow managed to win 2-1. The biggest yeah. smash and yeah. grab raid ever, I think that ridiculous. is. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I know yours last season at our place was a smash and grab. But that, oh, absolutely. But that was even worse. Yeah. I, mean, I think we had two shots all game and we scored both of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's shades of Palace beating us at the Amex, actually. Yeah, 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 very much so. Two shots and beat us 2-1. Bloody Ben um, with that volley, <laughs> Oh, yeah, suddenly he knows how to score out of the blue. Yeah. But Benteke becomes prime Bambaston for five seconds and then... 
I was going to say, obviously, your manager, obviously, you know, is doing a great job for you, playing a good brand of football. You know, I want to get your views around his rotation tactics. I know you've got Europe games again, so I've looked at that squad and thinking he's done a he's done a bit of rotation. And to be honest with you, initially when I messaged Russ and and Rich, I fancied you guys to win. I thought, you know, you're at home, you're probably the stronger team. But then when I looked at that lineup, I went, you know what, there's there's something in it for us. Here. And I honestly thought when we equalised, you know what, I thought. We could have won that game. Yeah, so I was going to say that the other way round to you because I thought you were on top at that point and then kind of sat back a bit after you went it after the equaliser because I thought actually if you'd gone for us at that point we looked like we were tiring and struggling a bit and I I mean I think the thing is with Deserby we can't judge how tired these players are and how much they're struggling. I think he's probably changing too much personally. I don't know how how you know knackered these players are after two games already that week and but yeah like like Fassi I think only played half an hour at City and then started yeah. midweek and then drops the bench again it's like well yeah. surely he can start two games in a week even if he's not started all three I think um, the thing for me is I think it's it's de- deliberate and definite preemptive rotation that is to say he's not seeing them get tired then rotating them out he's definitely trying to stay on top of it to keep them fresh through what we've had a couple of really really busy periods and obviously we had to deal with some injuries as well which is it's neither here nor there but um i think there's there there is a bigger picture plan of having this whole definitely much stronger really good strength and depth i think overall barring maybe a little bit of cover at fullback and, this and really on the wing big, now as well. And on the wing now, yeah, thanks to the injuries. Uh, this bigger kind of circle of uh, of a plan that he's trying to bring gradually into a, mm. a strengthened position. And I think it's going to take time and we have to accept that this is going to be a, a bit of a painful process because we are going to have to lose some games or lose some performance levels by this amount of rotation. Mm. In the longer term, I think it'll benefit us, and I think it probably is the right thing to do. It's what I would probably do in his position, not that I'm a coach. Well, our players were completely knackered in the last season, weren't they? And it was, yeah. and we can't, was, and that was without the European. They were running on empty. Yeah, admittedly, we had a long cut run in the FA Cup, though, so it might be quite similar to last season. But last season, we were running on empty. The defeats to Forest, uh, to um, Forest and Everton and Newcastle were largely yeah. down to that, to be honest with you. Um, but. I do think this this plan would work in the longer term. I'm pretty pleased where we are in the table. We're, where are we, eighth, seventh? Seventh, yeah. Given the, the amount of rotation, given <clears> the <throat> amount of injuries, and given some of the fixtures, we've got our regulation defeats at Villa and Man City out of the way. And we've had the draw with Liverpool and we've beaten Newcastle. And, um, <clears> and uh, I think we're probably about where I would like us to be, given all the circumstances. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't think... Mind. We can complain about position-wise. I don't at all. I think we've done really well. I mean, if we finish top half this year, to be honest, if we have a decent European run. So, I mean, cards on the table, my priority, if we can stay around mid-table is Europe. We literally may never in our history get a chance to do be in Europe again. It's possible. I'm not saying it, it won't happen next season, but it's possible we might never be in Europe again. So, I just want to be get as far as we can in Europe and yeah, go to yeah. as many I mean, interesting places and get a chance to see Brighton in as many random foreign cities and yeah the Premier League I mean I don't think we'll go down this year I don't think no, anyone no, no. other than the bottom four will go down so I mean obviously I don't want to drop down the 15th or something like that but within reason if we're mid-table I would be happy with you know, 10th 11th 12th and a good run in whatever European competition we qualify for next year next in 2024 and yeah. that that is I think what the Zerbi always thinks as well I mean he prioritised Ajax I think over this weekend which I don't mind I'd rather have won Ajax and as it was, we could probably have played the team we played against you against Ajax because, frankly, they were useless. And it was quite embarrassing, really, how poor they were. They were looting were better. 
in all honesty. Oh, <laughs> they were at least at least had some passion. Luton at least had some passion and fought for the ball, whereas Ajax didn't even bother with that, did they? They yeah, just, I'm they going to leave him up. up at the back for the goalkeeper at Ropey. And I'm, I'm not joking. I, I watched the game back actually a day or so ago. And at one point, we had 85 passes, uh, a pass move, which I was, I, I realized I didn't know how many it was at the time, but I, I was thinking, hang on, this has been loads of passes here. If this ends in a goal, that is the, the greatest one of all time for us. And, and, and it, this was at 2 0 as well. These sorts of things were happening. Yeah. They weren't even pressing us at 2 0. Yeah, they were they sat back. Like they're both on the table in 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 Holland. Yeah, you can see yeah. why as well. Yeah, they looked like they and, weren't that interested. Basically, yeah. I think. And I do think, yeah, we had to prioritise Ajax because we couldn't afford to drop points in that game. Fulham, you know, obviously we draw the game, we want to win the game, but if we draw the game, it doesn't have a massive effect because it's one match out of thirty-eight. Whereas obviously the yeah. Europa League is different, but. I think Peter's right. We probably could have played a weaker team and won that. We we should have won that game about 4-0. Yeah. I think we just took it kind of easy on them a little bit, mm. which is ridiculous to say, isn't it, about <laughs> a team with European royalty like Ajax. I mean, saying, oh, we, we took it easy on them. We should have played a weaker team. But <laughs> well, you, you feel almost we took our foot off the pedal in order to then play the the same team also in the weekend. But then we made six changes, which yeah. just yeah. that wasn't the case. So. Well, as we said earlier, you know, seven games we haven't beaten you. You did the double over the last year, as did Villa, um, another of our bogey teams. And um, we, well, it's a load of good results against the top eight, but we, we did drop points in a lot of games, particularly at home, where I think that was the difference between where we could have gone even better. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, we've done it again with you guys. We've dropped the points from a winning position. Yeah. Uh, we are quite good at doing that. We we usually give people two goal leads, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit different in that regard. Well, you, we, did, we did at least turn up for the first half this game. Anyway, yeah. most of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, what we haven't been doing recently. Much, you know, this is the thing. I thought we obviously, you know, very accomplished, a lot of high possession, right, which I expected. We sort of looked disinterested. We look, we look slow, sluggish, not the races, to be honest with you. So that's mm. a testament to yourselves. But the re- the thing is, it was a good work, good good goal that Ferguson scored. Well, good build up, good finish. But the keeper didn't have to do much, and that was if I was in your position, that's where I'd be a little bit concerned. You dominate, yeah, but without really creating much problem for us. Yeah, we we missed some some long range ones, yeah. but actually, and Belaber tested um, Leno. Other than that, yeah, there wasn't a great deal. No, and... didn't, didn't test our keeper enough. That's why I thought going in the half time, we can't be any worse. We'll wake up. We'll get a kick up the backside and. In our defence, you know, we looked good second half. We pushed the momentum. We got you know, more intensity, more higher press, more in the game. And like you said, Peter, with a bit more quality in the final third, final board, I actually thought we were good enough to go up 2-1 or even beyond that. But we sat a little bit back, absorbed pressure, and then you finished the, the, the stronger the, towards the back end of the game. But Zerbi saying there's only one team in it for 85 minutes. As a neutral, I don't know what game oh, you I, I didn't agree with that, no. He... I didn't agree with that. I thought from about 35 minutes to half-time, you were on top. And I was quite glad yeah. when half-time came because we'd lost our way a little bit. And then the start yeah. of the second half, barring Dunk hitting the bar, the first half for the sec- second half, you were well on top. And actually, yeah, we're very close to going ahead with that save by Steele from, um, was it Muniz or in the second exactly, half? Exactly. Decent Sorry. save. That was hardly the best chance to make it 2-1. Yeah. We then, yeah, I think you sat back after that, which yeah, I found bit, odd. Yeah, take the point. It was, it was three, I didn't go to the game, but torrential downpours in the in that second half, well, it was shocking weather, to be honest. But overall, I thought the Zerbi's you know, analysis, I didn't agree with 85 minutes. I thought we we dominated the second. But, you know, again, what was evident, both teams lacking a bit of goal threat. I think that's what's quite clear. Ferguson, for all his you know, really good, well-taken goal, didn't do very much. No. He's, 
struggled a bit. He had a brilliant hatcher against Newcastle before the mm-hmm. first international break and then got an injury and, and has been ill as well. Mm-hmm. And has not looked quite as sharp since then. And he, he's still taking time, I think, to get back when we really need him to because we're not without Welbeck and without Solly March as well. So our front options are, and goal scoring options are, are dropping quite a mm-hmm. bit. So we really need him to get back to his top form because on top form, he's brilliant at this level. And don't get me wrong, he took his goal really well, but he didn't really contribute much right. else, I thought, yeah. yeah. on Sunday. Joao Pedro is not really, although he can play up front, he's not really a striker. striker no. Just in behind. Uh, that's where he's more effective. So I wouldn't think he'd be any more effective than just playing a, a tired Evan Ferguson yeah. if you're playing yeah. But well, I think Ferguson, we've almost got to play back to fitness anyway. I think he needs yeah, that true. game sharpness that will come by playing. And yeah. even on Sunday, he showed that he get we got one chance all game really, and he took it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, worth noting, by the way, in this lineup, uh, the, the lineup for us was steal and goal. We had a back three again this time: Webster, Duncan, um, Igor at the back, with a Dingra on the right, Belaber and Dahoud in the middle. Dahoud hasn't had a start for a while and hasn't played a great deal at all recently. Mittimer on the left, and then with uh, with Grosh and Alana. Um, playing more centrally um, and then going into the wider positions and Ferguson not top. Um, obviously, we made the subs later on. And um, Fulham, uh, obviously, we've got Jimenez up, up top. It's interesting to see him playing for you guys. Iwobi and playing him behind. They're called Dover-Reed, isn't it? I think it's pronounced. Yeah. And, um, and William um, playing uh, across the middle there with Reed and João Paulinha in midfield. And then you've got the back, back line as well. Of Our course. good friend, João Paulinha. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about that. First of all, actually, just follow up what you said earlier, Emilio. I think the two best things you did in the summer were holding on to Silva yeah. and holding on to Polino. As you said, they both now signed long long. And William as well, because he was going to go. Well, he was going to go, yeah. It's weird because he wasn't going to stay. Then he did sign a deal, didn't he? And then he Yeah, exactly. Morris were after him and you know, just all this uncertainty. I think that was a bit of a panic extension. He's not been as prolific as he was last season, but he's starting to get back into his his groove again at influencing games. And when he's on the pitch, you know, there's something spectacular that could happen. And he's been pretty, you know, he's getting better and better game by game. But like yourself, we've had a lot of injuries this season. So yeah. we've got a wafer thin squad. Key players are injured. So it's, you know, we haven't got, you know, if we rotate a bit like yourself, hmm. with that depth there and strikers, we're just lacking goals. You can see why we're, we're one of the lowest, if not the lowest goal scorers. Yeah. Raul Jimenez has not been the same since his injury. No. And it's, yeah, I, I understand the gamble at the sort of price you got, but maybe it wasn't a gamble to take as your only striker signing no, when you lost no. Mitrovic. And it was never meant to be a Mitrovic replacement, really. It was meant to, uh, for me, it was always going to be his cover, you know, yeah. the last 30 minutes or so. And then Mitrovic, is he going? Is he staying? Is he going? He then went. And then clearly there was no further, uh, no further signing. Vinicius, who's, who was not good enough to be a backup striker last season, although he finished the season strongly, he picked up a knock before the game. So I think he probably would have started had it not been for that injury. And otherwise, then Mooney's, who, wasn't good enough at loan in Middlesbrough, let alone in the Premier League. Now he's, we're throwing him at the deep end. There just isn't enough depth there. So it's um, we've got to get by until Christmas or in the new year, get a new signing there, add some strength. But thankfully, there's worse teams in the division. But, you know, can we... Yeah. The problem is strikers yeah. cost a lot anyway. Yeah. In January, they cost even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good strikers won't be leaving in January. That's the other thing as well. So it's... Uh, yeah, yeah we've got to find some quality there. Otherwise... You know, goal goal scoring is going to be a problem, like we've seen all season. It's just it's hard yeah. to get these goals in. And so, in terms of the the people you did hang on to, I mean, it was the Saudis that were coming swooping for all of these, weren't oh, they? All of them. I know Peter's got a rant about that on a on a. They're your equivalent of Chelsea. Yeah, us. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's why well, Brentford, you know, had arguably a good a season as ours. They had nobody stepping off their players. So what what is it? You know, 
Silver as a manager, Mitrovic as a player. They wanted William. There was no respite here. It was continuous. It was just so much uncertainty. I'd say is it because you know Saudi's association with West London residences, but um, Brentford's the same, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, I exactly. But where was the threat towards Brentford's play? I didn't see Brentford. Yeah, <laughs> and no one swooped for their players, no, not quite at the moment. Anyway, yeah, into the game then. So, I mean, obviously, the um, in terms of the goal, well taken goal from Ferguson. So we mm. talked about that. I mean, it was a really good, uh, really good goal. Mm. Uh, swept it in with his left foot. Had a really good view from where I was in the West. Yeah, London. lovely good play goal from yeah. Igor as well to intercept. Yeah, 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 because he burst forward for that one, didn't he? Which is great. Um, the Incident, the first incident with Paulinho, I think if I remember correctly, it was when it was still nil nil, was that? Yeah, right? it was, yeah. That was earlier earlier on. Now, yeah. um there's been a lot of talk about that. We I did well, couldn't really see what had happened at the time, admittedly. Peter then showed me the video, the the angle that's not the, the, the typical first view of the TV, the other angle that was shown, which shows more clearly what, what was happening with his elbow, um, or his forearm or whatever it was. Um Peter then showed me that and I got pretty angry and, and he was pretty annoyed and, and every Brighton fan that saw it was. Um, it seemed to be categorical opinion that he should have been sent off for that and he was very lucky not to be. You, I know you said you have a, 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 maybe some other opinions yeah. to us. Is look, this where the first of those comes? Cool. Yeah, look, and you know me, I'm very grounded. You know, you know, I was supposed to say last year we, we snatched a win You know, last season at your ground. And my point is, if you don't take your chances, it doesn't matter who you play, you're gonna you may get punished. And that's you know, you know, so that's last season. I, I didn't blame Fulham for nicking the win. I said I blamed Brighton for not being clinical and taking the chance. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with you there. I think yeah. I think there's there's question marks over you know the fact that maybe you've time wasted a bit and that sort of thing. But I agree, we we were very wasteful last year against. Yeah, very you. wasteful. You know, that, that game was there to be won. To be honest, on Sunday, initially when I looked at it, God, that looks a little bit dangerous. That was my first reaction when I saw it. I said that doesn't look good. But then. Again, being unbiased, I look at it from different angles, thinking, is it as is it as bad as it looks on me? But you you look at it from two different angles. I I see both sides of the story, and then the fact is, many of the pundits are also split on this. For me, if it's a split decision, it's not conclusive. So again, I'm trying to be unbiased here. You know, mm-hmm. looking at it from a look at it from both angles, slow motion, first reaction, normal speed. Oh, that that looks a little bit aggressive. There was no need for him to do that. The next minute, I thought you saw replay after replay, different angles and different fans putting in different angles on Twitter to show it more biased towards the fans. So Brighton fans are showing it from one angle, Fulham <laughs> fans are showing it from the other angle. Actually, you look at it net net, and I think, you know what, I think it deserved a yellow. I don't think it was a sending off. I just think the positioning and where the where your play was actually already going down made it look l- less clinical than it actually was, if that means. And that's where I'm saying, actually, he was already sort of not on his two feet, so to speak. You know, that's I think just the, the, yeah. I don't think the timing of it is, is key here. The, the moment, that moment of timing, it was two one against one and literally going in straight away at the arm. Then, yes, I saw your player slightly going off position and that made the, the angle and the, the contact less clinical than it than it appears. Right. That's why. <laughs> so, so my, my counter on that slightly would be he led with his elbow. That's my, where I, I sit. So he, he obviously had some either. intention of death. You know, you don't, he didn't, it's not like he was like jumping in the air and he had to move his arms up. He led it into to Grosch with his hand. And I get there's been people saying online, you got the ball, which is irrelevant to my mind. Um, but you don't need to go into a tackle like that. Basically. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, I think he, yeah that's what I thought it, it warranted more a yellow. I think yellow definitely. I, don't, I think red would have been more harsh than what he, no, no card is, you know. I disagree. I think they deserved a card minimum. Not even a free kick. I mean, we can all agree Salisbury got this dreadful anyway, generally. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I think, but it's overall, I just looked at it. I kept reanalyzing, reanalyzing, reanalyzing. I thought, actually, again, very unbiased. I'm not protecting the players. I don't like when when players do that with whichever club they play for. And I just felt that you're looking at net net. It doesn't feel as clinical as people are suggesting. And when you've got pundits, so-called expert pundits, debating amongst themselves whether it was red or not, that tells you actually it wasn't clear-cut. And if it's not clear-cut, it shouldn't be a red. But then again, I think it should have gone maybe through a VAR check and maybe bring the ball back, give the give the free kick, and maybe give him a yellow card, if anything. But I think I think it warranted a yellow, but not a red. That was my... We, we're having a chat on um, one of the WhatsApp groups, on the pod, actually the podcast WhatsApp group you're on, and about like having VAR conversations overheard, and I'd be really interested to know exactly where VAR were. Were they yeah. agreeing, agreeing with Salisbury that it wasn't a foul, which I find quite unlikely, or yeah. were they thinking, well, it was a of the yellow, so we can't do anything about it if we're not allowed to, mm. or yeah, were they thinking, well, that was close to a red, but if it had been a red given, we yeah. wouldn't have overruled it, but it's not a clear and obvious error, or yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to know where exactly they stood on it because, mm. for me, I can see your point. I don't think Polinia could have complained if he got a red card for it. No. He went in, el- to me, elbow first. And I see your point about like, Grosh making it slightly worse by going by snooping down a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't need to lead that way with, with your... Yeah, I mean, it was unnecessary. It was the time, you know. There was, un- there was nothing that in the lead-up to that that foul yeah, exactly. that warranted... There was a bit of retaliation. So there was, no, there, was no need to, there was no element of, I need to retaliate because something happened a bit before that. It came out of the blue, but... Um, but yeah, it's just something he's got that in him. Sometimes he's been, he's been, at, he's got, he's getting better game by game. He had a bit of a slow start. He wants, obviously, he wanted to go to Bayern Munich. We managed to, we let, we gave him the chance to go and sign for them. But clearly, that was on the condition we can find a backup within hours. We couldn't do that. And um, as far as I'm concerned, it's um, you know he's done well to stay at the club. But there's a couple of games this season where he was lackluster, not in it. You know, not showing the passion desire he had last season, but. The last two games or so, I'm seeing him back to his normal. His man of the match for me on on you know on on Sunday, a with the goal and b just his dominant performing the man of fouls, he only balls he won, just his defensive strength in that position. He, he was outstanding on on Sunday. And I need to see. But in a way, I think that's what fueled Albion like, yeah. fans <laughs> angry as well. That he is your best player. Yeah, you know, it's like, and exactly. he also yeah scored the goal, so that makes it even more that's annoying. What made it worse. I think that's what made it worse. You know, oh, they, they yeah. Let me give my view on it. I think it was a definite red card. I know I've taken board what you said about the pundits. I watched Ref Watch and Dermot Gallagher, not that I agree with most of what he says, says it was a yellow. Stephen Warnock, who I do normally agree with, uh, said it was a yellow. Sue Smith, who I usually don't agree with, said it was a red, which is interesting. Um, but my honest, not just um, from my Brighton spectacle point of view, just look, trying to look at it as objectively as I can, but knowing about Pascal Grosch, he's got this thing we call the Pascal pirouette. It's basically the Cruyff turn thing. And he was in the midst of doing that. So although you say maybe not in balance or whatever, that's part of his thing. He definitely was in balance. He would have turned. He's done it countless times. He would have turned the player. And if unimpeded mm-hmm. uh, with a foul, he would have got the ball and progressed with it. Whether Paulinho knows about that move or not, I don't know. But he was looking at the player. He wasn't looking at the ball. And as he went in, he did. He caught him around the jaw. And there was a a quickness of movement as he reached his face where he kind of flicked into him a bit more. And I do think that was excessive force. That was aggressive um, to the point where it should have been a red. Um, and I would think, looking on VAR, 
obviously based on the fact the ref hadn't given anything. Um, it's a matter of, is it clear and obvious enough? I personally think that was clear and obvious enough. And I know Peter felt that way at the time. I don't know if you've calmed down on that now, but I, no, I still, I still would do think it's I a red card, but I can, red. I can see where Emilio is coming it's from, it's, but it's, I, I, I would still. His arm had no I, right I, to be up there, did it? And he's going into the player. He's not going towards the ball. He's not looking at the ball. He's looking at the player, and he's got one intention, which is to take our guy out. And if you raise your arm to someone's face, make a fairly aggressive contact with it, I don't see how that's not a red card, personally. That's and and Grosh obviously was very unhappy. He's not a player who either normally goes down easily or complains to referee a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. he might make the odd comment, but he won't. But he was having a go at the referee about a minute or two afterwards yeah. when he, he got kept up. Going into him, didn't yeah, he? which is unlike him. He's not normally like that, and I, I think he was pretty pissed off about the way. Yeah, and to yeah. not even give a free kick kind of summed up yeah, the yeah. performance. Who was absolutely shocking, as he always is. And I, I mean, the other moan at, moan at you without wanting to be too picking on you. Your players again do go down really easily. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, that, that, yeah, that yeah, I wasn't happy with that in some of the moments in the second half. There were some of the moments in that second half when, you know, I've seen penalties given for the handball. I looked at the, the incident debate that which went to VAR. I actually thought, you know what, that was handball as far as I'm concerned. That, that blocked the Paulinho chant in that second half. That got, that, that got waved away, did get us. So I'm trying to be balanced here and look at it from both sides of the story. That was probably a more, that was probably a penalty. If that was a penalty, the Panini one was a red card and vice versa. It's, it's these things again. Rich won't mind, won't like me saying it, but things like that do even themselves down occasionally. But I thought, and then Panini got injured in the second half. That went unnoticed as well. So there's a, there's a few little things that didn't go well, but I didn't like some of our players sort of, sort of being a little bit theatrical at times. I think yeah, I mean, I really don't understand you not pushing on and trying to win it because yeah, we should have we, we looked like we were really knackered and couldn't really, you know, weren't really and lost, you know, lost our energy and. If you'd really pushed on at one all, I think you. But it's almost like once that's you missed that chance through Muniz when Steele saved it. After that, you seem to just settle for a point and didn't really exactly. offer anything up. And I thought Wilson had the the the, the better on your left back. I can't remember who the left back was at the time. So you know, stretching him at times. I think just with a better quality delivery in the box or having more men more men in attack yeah. trying to you know challenge into that six yard box. We could have got some loose balls because we had a few corners. Just, I don't think we we maximised the that that moment where we had a good twenty five minute spell in that second half where we were well on top. But you know, just if we had a bit more quality, if we had the team last season, we would have won that game. You could argue maybe Brighton, you would have had a different story. But I think we had a better striker up front. We would have, I think, we would have won that game. Well, we all know how Mitrovic does against Brighton normally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, our yeah. favourite attacker, <laughs> but Dunk has never never dealt with him very well. With the matter I still of have time. nightmares over that four-two game when we were two oh, up at Craven yeah. Cottage. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> From two 0 up to four-four-two down, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was almost the last. Well, like the end of Hutton, wasn't it? Because we fell apart yeah. after that, and that was what right. Hutton his job. No, he sleety that night. It was a sleety snow. Yeah, it was an awful night in the January. Yeah. Absolutely hammering down. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, nothing good to say about it except that well, the first half was good. Yeah. Just not the second half. <laughs> well, I think Emilio would would think the exact opposite, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on, the, on the matter of time-wasting, and there was loads of it going on on Sunday, um, there's two elements to time-wasting, isn't there? There's there's actually running the clock down, which, of course, the refs have sought to try and negate by adding mm. time on, which is fine, and that's something you can do something about. The other bit, of course, the other reason for doing time-wasting is to break the flow, and I think in both last season and this season, that's what was going on. There was a couple of occasions at 1-0 down, that you seem to be time wasting, and the people around me were going, "Look, they're bloody time wasting, and they're losing." And yeah. I said, "Yeah, well, yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's about that second reason. It's about breaking the flow." 
Because if you're not time wasting or mm. if you're not breaking the flow, we might be still on top. We might still be playing at the better of our game. We could have got that second goal, maybe a third goal. So I can see why they would do it at 1-0 down is the first mm-hmm. thing to say. But you were doing it from that point and at one all after that period of being on top yeah. later in the game. How come your goalkeeper gets getting cramp? I'll be honest with you. Leno's normally, I would, I'm being honest, he's one of the few that actually does time waste because he's normally very secure in defense. Normally when we're even goal, you know, goal up or protecting a lead, he's always quick to distribute the ball. He doesn't get many yellow cards for time wasting. I looked at his record from last season, you know, when we sort of snatched wins here and there. His, his goal, yellow card um, numbers were very, very low. So I don't, he's not one known for time wasting. There's the likes of Andres Pereira, you know, these sort of non-British players and some of the more South American type players that tend to have more of a tendency. Wilson's got a reputation for time wasting. He does it for the national squad. So that, that I'm not happy with. And that's the reason why he's not playing to his potential this season. He's only getting bench time at the moment. And that's and the fact that he had a great chance to, to win the game for us. I thought, well, you know, he, he, he wasted that opportunity. So, you know, I don't, I don't like that behaviour, to be honest with you. I just think that sometimes you're right, I think, for us, it's more about disrupting the flow of your plays and you're dominating possession. Therefore, what can we do to stem that? Get more free kicks, you know, get some set people, which is where we tend to be more productive rather than from open play. And I think that's where, you know, last season we got a lot of our benefits from those set pieces. This is we're not as productive from set pieces because we haven't got Mitrovic as that aerial threat in the box. And we haven't really got that quality, that hold up play quality as well either at the moment. So, but yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not something I like watching the clubs play, but Leno did, get cramp. I'm assuming he got cramp. He's not one to time waste. I'm not just... <laughs> there's the other players. Pereira and Wilson are the two that I don't like. He's a goalkeeper. How's he got cramp? Uh, I'm, 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 I have to say I'm rather sceptical of that. Notion. I'm surprised Sanchez didn't get cramp at the weekend, <laughs> chasing back after... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. But, I mean, I have to say that is something I find really disappointing with Fulham because Fulham is a nice club, nice fans, yourself, obviously, amongst many others I've met who I found really nice. I do like Fulham being in the Premier League. It's a really nice away day in terms of it's a nice Yeah, ground. it's one of my favourite away days. All of that stuff's great. And yet mates around me were saying that, uh, and I said the same, actually, to be honest, Fulham are rapidly becoming my least fa- uh, favoured team in terms of the actual team, um, in, in terms of those antics. Admittedly, Villa um, were probably worse than you were last season at, at the Amex um, with the time wasting, and they even did it up up at their place as well. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like disappointing. Um, but I yeah, it's not, um, not something not Silver something promotes like. as well. So the fact that I'm seeing it creeping, and again, I'm looking like Pereira and Wilson, they're probably the two biggest yeah. culprits known to do that. The other players, you know, uh, are pro- more pro- I would say more professional. They... They had that Pally and didn't do any time wasting. You know, he, you know, generally some of the players look for, to get fouled by the free kicks and then that slows the tempo down. I think you can do it more professionally than trying to be a little bit. And I've seen Wilson do that a couple of times at home this season, which I've been disappointed with in front of me saying, you've actually not been touched. And I've told him, get the effing up and get up and start <laughs> playing, you know, so I will, I will, I will criticize our players for doing that, but it's slightly that that general consensus as well. Um, when you're saying you're telling him to get up. Is that the general feeling of fans around you as well? Some players, some certainly around the fans around me think, you know, sometimes like Wilson and Pereira, I'm always saying, get up, get up. That wasn't a foul. Just get on. And Pereira's got a point, oh, look, I've been hurt. No, no, I want some treatment. All that. Just get on and get on with the game, you know, rather than whinging all the time. And... Well, um, last season, your goal was the winner. It's Solomon, isn't it? That came off mm. the bench to score. Good goal. But... And it was another good finish uh, that got you back on terms from a, from a Brighton mistake. But it's one of those mistakes that we make. 
because that's the way we play. We do mm. the studs on, deep lying, try and entice the press. Yeah. Pass around it. We've got a particular system, particular way of doing it. And it was a way we passed, an unusually um, inaccurate one from Pascal Grosch, I think it was, actually. I think it was, yeah. Maybe so. he was concussed from earlier, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, but yeah, it was a loose pass. I think there might have been an argument of a possible foul. Belaber got a bit of a flick in the face from, I don't know who it was. It's a guy in black gloves that wasn't Polinia. I, I can't remember who it was now. Andres um, Pereira. It might be Andres Pereira, maybe. Pereira, yes. I think it was Pereira. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, he kind of flicked it in his face. You didn't really get a clear view to see if you made contact. Belaber went down injured. And then there was a couple of passes, um, obviously laid into Polinia. Mm. And then a really good shot from, what, the edge of the area, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, which beat the goalkeeper handsomely. So really good finish, possible possible foul. To be honest with you, I don't think it would have been given um, from what I could see, but just flagging it up for reference. But no, good finish. And yeah. he's such an asset for you, isn't he? Yeah. In terms. And, and he's um, got a tendency of, you know, he can he can strike those balls from the edge of the paint. He did a great yeah. against Forrest last season. It was a classic goalie score. So, and again, I saw his, his reaction scoring a goal shows actually he's, his, his head's in the right space again. You know, I saw him against Chelsea a few weeks ago at home where we were very poor, lacked, just lacked anything, you know. We will, we will die that Monday night. And what I saw, I was observing his body language. And I know, you know, um, the Chelsea midfielder, I can't remember his name, Connor, Connor, what's his name, surname now? Gallagher. Connor Gallagher, yeah, dominated the game. And Pereira, was a shadow of his former self. Showed no motivation. His body language was very flat. Didn't smile once. Didn't pat his back badge. When you win corners, he's always rousing the crowd and come on, come on, let's get it, let's get you shouting a little bit more. But I, the last two or three games, I'm seeing back his, his mojo's back. His manager's now signed the extension. I saw him on Sunday back to his almost back to his normal self, showing that determination, that passion, that desire, and that belief. And the way he celebrated the goal says, you know what, you're you're back, you're back in this club now. You 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 want to be here. Whereas two or three games ago, I thought, you know what, he doesn't want to be at the club. Let him go in, in January if that's what he wants. But Bayern Munich are now starting to maybe push on and look at other options. Silva's now signed a contract. Net, net. Paulinho, you've got a lot to do still this season. I think you're going to be a testament to for us to stay in this division and push on. And if you play like that most games, then like you said, we're going to be we'll be okay next this season. Yeah, I think in the end um, we're probably happy enough with the draw, given all things considered. Come by the time of the final whistle. Um, because as you said, you did have plenty of periods where you were looking like you were going to do more than you did, and um, could have been worse for us, basically. Um, one all, yeah, we'll take that for now, and we move on to the next one. At least you're not doing the double over us now. <laughs> Hopefully, um, you know, we can get a result as well up at your place, um, from our point of view. It'd be nice to maybe meet up, actually, Media. Absolutely, we yeah, we keep yes. saying it. I couldn't do Sunday because, what you know, basically I was out and about at the weekend and just wouldn't have been able to go to the game, which is a shame. But uh, there always seems to be a reason not to go. So definitely the home game, I can't remember, when is it? In the, in the springtime, I think. It's March, I think, March, yeah. March so yeah. let's let's organise it in advance. Hopefully they don't move it to stupid o'clock like a Monday night <laughs> game, which they, they tend to do, or you've got a yeah, European game night. maybe that week. Definitely on a Saturday, before. three o'clock. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that. I can't remember the next time we've got, got a three o'clock Saturday game. It's either... You've got Man United at lunchtime this Saturday. Then you've got games moving to Sunday because Europa League matches for the other. Yeah, we, we've actually got a Saturday three o'clock this weekend. Have you? So, who have you, who have you got? Everton away. They're, they're not. They're, they've improved a little bit recently. They're starting yeah. getting a few wins. We, we don't do well against Dice teams. Uh, well, we done, well, yeah, that wasn't Dice, was it? Last season, it was. Uh, yeah, we stuffed them last year on the Lampard, and then got crushed by Dice. Yeah. <laughs> they beat yeah. us three. They beat us five one at the Amex. 
Hmm. I do remember that. Oh, yes, I remember that game. One, one of the more surprise results for the week of the season, especially for us. Yeah, <laughs> real freak result. But anyway, there we have it. Um, yeah, any other thoughts from the game? Um, I think, you know, the rest of it, I think we've, we've already discussed most of it all. Um, I don't know who yeah, you... I think point fair enough in the end. I, I agree yeah. with Emilio that I think the Zerbi wasn't... I don't know what he was watching. He said like that you had five minutes on top because I felt from about 35 to about 65, 70, mm. that was pretty much all full. And we really, barring dunk hitting the bar from the free kick, didn't offer much. And we our level dropped significantly. And then even the last 20 minutes, I never really felt we looked like scoring. We, we were the better team, arguably, in terms of like we had more territory and possession, but it I didn't really. The ball, enough. There were a few yeah. scrambles in the box, yeah. but Leno didn't really make a save, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we flattered to deceive, as we often we often do at home to teams who don't just come and attack us, basically. Mm. So. Yeah. Okay, well, there we go. So, yes, indeed, we'll have to meet up later later in the season, then, I mean, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, best yeah. of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Likewise, good luck in Europe. Make sure you get Thanks. the next rounds. You know, we want to see you in, you know, get, go, go to the journey that we went all those years ago. You know, those are unforgettable times. So, for you, if you're going to be safe whether you'll get to the final Europa League or not. So enjoy the European run. I hope he prioritises that over the league because this is probably a season where it's going to be difficult to finish top six, top seven. Like I said, the other Tottenham's and Liverpool's are all getting better. Chelsea will probably get better as well. Uh, Europa you know, right. League is in your own hand. You know, you've got you know, win your games. You've got a great chance to progress. You should hopefully the manager will prioritise that over the league because you're not going to go down even if you have a, a makeshift. Premier League team game on game, so it's hope. But let's see. He's he's paid to make those decisions, but you know, I'd like to think you can enjoy the moment because, like you said, Pete, you don't know if it's going to happen again. It's going to it's going to be a difficult task to get back into Europe next season. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be honest, every year it gets harder because mm. every year this, especially now with Villa looking like they're going to push on, and Newcastle obviously year on year will spend a lot of money as well, and we will continue to be sustainable. So we won't. So unless we keep unearthing gems but even if we do we'll probably only stand still in terms of the we'll lose best players as well whereas like yeah teams like Newcastle and Villa will strengthen every summer and not really lose their best players and it makes it very difficult to to keep up long term our easiest way to Europe might be by finishing third in this group uh the Europa League going into the conference and then winning that the only problem is our bogey team Aston Villa in that competition <laughs> so even that one should be should be better than it is they well, what a time to win our first game against them for ages well, Europa Conference League final oh yeah no. <laughs> yeah but we'll see but yes thank you and yeah best of luck for you for the rest but of the likewise season likewise as well we'll be playing each other's rivals so we'll want to keep beating each other's rivals exactly, we? exactly. well thank you for having me on guys and uh, yeah see you soon enjoy the rest of the show Fantastic. Thank you. Bye. 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 Yeah, so thanks to Emilio for joining us again there in part one, talking about the Fulham game. Um, Peter, any kind of um, further thoughts on that? I think it'd be interesting to have more actually uh, away fans on after the game, actually, maybe even rather than before it. That's actually quite an interesting. It was really good chatting to him, and you know, it's it's nice to have a proper discussion with. Cause yeah, you kind of end up talking with only Brighton fans. Often you get like just the one side of it, so it was quite interesting to to yeah. see his side. And you know, we didn't necessarily agree with it everything, but yeah. actually, I agree with his assessment of the overall game more than I did with Deserves. To be honest, yeah, didn't really, uh, didn't really see where his five five percent of the game, or whatever, or five minutes of the game came from. I think Fulham were the better side either side of half time for quite a long time. Yeah, it was a bit surprising that he said that because it 
it creates a bit of a almost it gives you look it's make you sound like um ten hog i i delusional <laughs> some of the stuff he's come up with has been amazing this uh, this season and and then moaning about decisions going against man united for penalties and things and well <laughs> the wolves game <laughs> um i know even even like again in the, in the manchester derby where man city got the first penalty at Old Trafford yeah. for 31 years, which says a lot. I know they haven't been in the same division all of those 31 years, but they've been in them the larger part of them. To not have a penalty in all that time, um, maybe they're just... It's going to take a lot, a lot of decisions to go against Man U for me to have any sort of sympathy with them, exactly. considering how many they're... You know, if it evens out, they're due like about 10, 15 years of solely bad decisions against exactly. them. Exactly. And Haaland got fouled as well, so they should have had another penalty anyway, which they would have scored, and Haaland would have had a hat-trick, which would have really wound them up. Um, speaking of that game, and they, I mean, Holland scored and he clearly it meant a lot to him because, of course, his father was injured on that pitch mm. by Roy Keane. He scored, his fist pumping to the home fans, um, which, of course, is obviously, you know, related to that. They were then singing Kino, Kino back at him, uh, which is typically classless of them. I suppose heat to the moment and all that, maybe. But then he scored again, which is quite funny. Didn't even bother baiting them the second time, just went to the City fans. And uh, a comfortable regulation 3-0 win for them. They've improved, actually, because last season they lost 6-1. Actually, they did beat City, didn't they, at home last season? But they lost 6-1 away. They, they, they beat City at home last season, thanks to the wor- one of the worst decisions ever in football. Is that the uh, Rashford equaliser was... That- one of probably the worst decision of the season, arguably, or one of them, certainly. Bad decision, Old Trafford, who knew? Yeah, they beat... They beat and, that, and that's the irony. If you're actually complaining about the referee, it's yeah. like they basically, referee officials won them the game there last year. Yeah. And, I mean, they beat Liverpool and, and City at home last year, but got absolutely battered away. They lost 6-1 at City and 7-0 at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I'd love to see that again, to be honest. That'd be great. I can't stop hating Man United, I have to say. No, I'm, I'm never going to get over my, my detest yeah. of them. They're just, yeah. I think it's just growing up with all these Londoners who were like kind of suddenly Man U fans when they were like successful at, at school and stuff and gloating. Yeah. All of them, even. I think it's just by the fact they started supporting Man U, they became like unpleasant and gloated and I mean, City, come naturally City, to them. Well, City have gone under the radar in terms of bad behaviour of fans, but as, as I mentioned on the uh, match day special, had that homophobic incident when I was up there the previous time at Etihad, and um, we had that the, 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 the songs about Bobby Charlton coming out of the ground, which were disgusting. I note with interest that reports were made actually to the authorities. Apparently, one City fan's been banned, but it was a lot more than one City fan well, after think, the game. Yeah, wasn't two it? teenagers. I think it was two yeah. teenagers got banned. We heard from both sides of us that yeah, they were thinking it, weren't they? After the game, we were walking out. Yeah. And, um, yes, it was a respectful um, minute's applause at Old Trafford. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, who, it's who does what... It's probably they... their away following less full of dickheads than their home following. Possibly so. But anyway, yeah, another win for Man City. And I think that's a good result for us because we want to stay in touch with the likes of United who are feasible to get ahead of. Feasible. I wouldn't say we will, but we've got a chance. We haven't with Man City. Um, and We're already so... ahead of them at the moment. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It was, it was a good... Yeah, we've improved our position, haven't we? And we got a better result than they did against City. So look at it that way too. Goal difference and everything else. Um, there was some... I mean, as I said, City should have had a penalty in that game on top of everything else. And um, there were some pretty controversial scenarios elsewhere, weren't they? And let's start with the Bournemouth-Burnley game because shades of Crystal Palace-Brighton last season... 
with the exception that they did eventually correct the ridiculously, obviously wrongly drawn. Uh, I use the word drawn. It's not, I don't know if it literally is drawn or what they do. It looks like it. Looks like they it. Don't seem to be able to get it right, do they? It was quite obviously at the wrong angle. And um, what what disappointed me actually, I've been I've been quite a fan of um, company as a Vincent Company as player and as a manager. He's conducting himself well. He was full of delusion. He, he was saying it was a lottery and they, they drew lines and one, one moment it's onside, one moment it's offside, it's a farce and it should have been given. I think, no, it was, they were just really bad lines, unlike our game. Well, you could argue every part of it is right up to that last bit. Everything yeah. else is a lottery and it is, you know, they do well, randomly yeah. draw lines. <laughs> yeah, but in, in terms of the... Um, yeah, the drawing of the lines. It was obviously only seen as onside because the line was so bad. As soon as it was in any way correct, it was clearly offside, which is what you could see actually with the naked eye just about. Um, it was a marginal call, but it was the right decision to give it off. And I I don't know why he was moaning about it post-match. He made himself look a fool, really, by doing that, because it was never a, a legitimate goal anyway. Um, there was an issue about a possible handball, though, um, which he was also complaining about, um, where there was an issue with... Uh, Two players going up for the ball, um, Bournemouth player handballing it in the box. But he was there was a bit of pu- pulling between the two players, and it seemed to be the Bournemouth player was was grappling with him and had his arm up in an unnatural position. Should it have still been up there at that point when the ball touched it? Debatable. There was a big debate about it on the ref watch. Um, no, no very clear cut conclusions were drawn. To be honest, uh, it wasn't given at the time. So was it clear and obvious? Maybe not, and so maybe it was the right decision not to give it. I don't know. But that, that was a controversial one. But this thing with the lines, though, draw, drawing those lines, this is becoming a problem. If they've done it now, an embarrassing mistake like that twice, and you also look at the particularities of the incident, Tottenham against Liverpool, which is a different issue. Um, it's a communication problem. Um, they, we, we, they're just getting it wrong too much again, aren't they? Far. It's supposed to be there to improve... Um, decision-making that's gone wrong by the ref, perhaps understandably, but gone wrong nonetheless. And it isn't improving it. <laughs> um, yes, they yeah. got the right decision in the end, but this this bournemouth Burnley. But they game, already had the right decision. It was given offside on the pitch as well. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. But I mean, they, offside, they got to look sorry, at on it. The pitch. In terms of looking at it, fair enough, they've got to look at it to see if he's got the right decision. But it took, apparently, according to Gary Lineker, they, they closely checked it. It was just over five and a half yeah, minutes. Yeah, five and a half minutes, yeah. Which is to basically confirm what, yeah, was already given. Yeah, get it Which wrong and then override change. their wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it, VAR is obviously not fit for. So we, it was an interesting, and I really, I don't, I don't know if you saw the discussion that we had on Sunday on the the WhatsApp group. Um, I think you were driving back, so you may not have seen it live, but there was quite an interesting discussion. There's quite a few things that need to change, in my view, in VAR, and it's and. One of which I think I genuinely think, and um, not everyone agree with this, is that you need to have the. I don't want to be releasing the Liverpool Newcastle, Liverpool Tottenham game uh, kind of conversation afterwards. That's ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, what I think they should do is have it like rugby, where you can actually hear what they're saying, or at least you can. They, they know they're being recorded, so it can be released or something. I hmm. want to know why on Sunday that they didn't think that was a red card, for example. Genuinely yeah. would like interested to know because I think it was. Like you, a clear red card. You know, Amelia obviously doesn't. So it'd be interesting to know what, as I said, what their view is. Why they, was it because they thought it wasn't a foul, which is what Salisbury did because he's an idiot? Or was it because he, they thought it was a close one? Or did they just think of the yellow? Or did they think, well, actually, it could easily be a red, but it's not clear and obvious error? 
Hmm. And that that's one of the things I want to know. The, the no-brainer to me is there has to be different VAR d- officials. We've seen the Mike Dean comment about like basically he wants to, to to like protect his friend when like not referring to you know, VAR into the to the monitor. We've seen decisions, you know, kind of. We've seen you know quite often it seems that you know younger referees maybe don't send the more of se- of senior officials back. Yeah, we need to have separate VAR VAR officials and referees because it's a different skill. You need a different less skill levels to do this. So you don't need to be as fit if you're, you know, to be a VAR official. You don't need the eyesight maybe that you need because you can, you know, you, you can look at the screen instead. So I mean, do, the third do, thing I think yeah, we absolutely sorry. have to do is reduce the level that you can go to VAR. I don't think the, this whole thing about, you know, clear and obvious error is bollocks. It should be what the right decision is. And if, if you send back, we should be sending the referee back to the screen more often. Even if it means delaying the game by a minute or two, they can then review it. And if they then think it's still it's, it's, if they're right, then okay, fair enough, that's that's fine. But yeah, the whole because thing's the not referee... for purpose now, and it's and it's a joke. And every other country makes it work, and yeah, we don't exactly. because the Premier it's League and Britain, it's, are a joke. It's typical Britain. We fuck stuff up like this, where the systems are yeah. applied much better quite often, most of the time. Germany, Holland have had it for years before us, and it worked really well pretty much no straight problem. away. The World maybe Cup, a, it worked really well. Yeah, maybe it's, a few teething errors aside from that, it works yeah. well. And also, speaking of the World Cup, when are we supposed to have this automated offside scenario? When when does that yeah. come? Is that not until next but season? Also, what's happened to the bloody rules about kicking the ball away this season? We went to Wolves this, uh, and, and CISO got booked for passing the ball back to one of their, to their goalkeeper for a free kick. Yeah, you got, Ross got booked for tapping the ball slightly further out of play when it had gone out for a throw in. And then Pedro got booked Saturday, for blocking a free Sunday. kick being taken. And then, Sunday. yeah, every other bloody team since then has been a far more blatant example of that. And yet it doesn't get booked. I can't remember who it was. There's a guy in a yellow car kicked the ball away when we oh, were. Oh, Mooney's, yeah, the weekend. Mooney's. Why is that not a yellow card and therefore yeah. a red? Is it because it's a second yellow? Why should that matter? Why exactly. Should that matter? If, if he's, he's stupid the one that's enough to do that, to do it. yeah, yeah. If he's literally that stupid. Then, frankly, he should get. He deserves to get sent off. Why is it that that one game at Wolves, we mm. got three bookings for effectively the time yeah. wasting? This whoever it was, the referee insisted on putting up about six of our players, most yeah. of which wouldn't have been bookings by any other game we've seen, and yet all the other players we seem to watch. You know, I don't. I can't remember only about one player this season getting booked against us for time wasting. It's yeah. insane. I don't. Have they basically given up on that rule? Did they go first two games? Oh, there was lots of bookings, so let's not bother now. Have they given up on that? Well, I think they have to to a large degree, and I don't think that's fair because you're 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 refereeing a whole season. The whole season yeah. should be refed according to the same dictates, obviously the same laws, uh, interpretation yeah. of laws, but the same emphasis. They talk about emphasis, don't they? They're putting a greater emphasis on this or a lesser emphasis on that. Well, you can't because you're changing through the season. And yet we're getting the, the downside of getting hot, easy bookings. Yeah. Other months, and it all accumulates and we get one match suspensions or later in the season, two match suspensions. Yeah on the account of decisions made throughout the season. So why should we miss out on having, for example, a Lewis Dunk or a, a Belabor or someone who's going to be a key position for us, missing maybe for one game or two games because of decisions earlier in the season when they had a certain philosophy, which they've since abandoned? Why is it different now? Well, yeah, I, I mean, they just they don't seem to have followed that rule at all since then. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and I just don't understand. You know, there's this big fuss made about time-wasting in summer, we're going to clap them down on it. We're going to, yeah, people kick it away even slightly. Grosh literally just tapped it from pretty much just out of play to the yeah. advertising hoardings. And, and, also, and, and CISO oh, literally passed it back to Wolves goalkeeper. Yeah. 
It just happened to bypass on their players on the way. On and Sunday, yet both of them got booked. And on Sunday, there's so many more obvious examples of time wasting, and it's on, and they've not gone punished. No, they haven't. And, and on Sunday, I worked out how much time should have been added on based on substitutions, goal celebration, the time wasting. I think it should have been ten minutes. Okay, we'll accept nine. So nine minutes, then they waste over a minute during the nine minutes. I think it was about, I counted about a minute 35, minute 40. They added on about 10 seconds to the nine minutes. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I mean, we, we're all aware well of everyone's view on Michael Salisbury anyway, aren't we? I mean, he was inept again, wasn't he, at the weekend? It was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. He, he literally let Fulham get it. Every time Fulham player went down, he'd stop the play. Yeah. And he, it's like they weren't even holding their head most of the time this he, time. He fell into every trap. For example... Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too rude to Emilio, which one he was on there, but I, I thought the shithouse tactics were off the scale and they really pissed me off. Um, what they did, I, I mean, that goalkeeper thing was a joke. Admittedly, the ref can't do anything about that, if he, apart from add the time on, because, um, but of course it falls into the yeah, same. You can't carry on with, yeah, with Leno down. Breaking the flow is the, is the reason to do it. But yeah, I mean, you can't just say, get up, you're not injured, because he'll say, well, I am injured. Then what are you going to do? You can't, you can't make the player get up. Yeah. Admittedly, well, but well, I think actually, is there a way about the time wasting? Is there a way if someone goes down holding their head and you can clearly show on TV that they didn't have a head injury? I think they should be banned. Head injuries are so important, such a big issue in the game. Yeah, it's a crime. I think if someone scenario, fakes a head injury, it should be an automatic one game ban. If they do it a second time that season, they get two game ban just straight away. Raymond the Gent territory, that is, uh, that kind well, of thing. I know, it's, it's just such a big thing. And faking it to stop the game is disgraceful. You know, it's like... Because no, the only guaranteed way of stopping a game is going down, holding your head. Yeah. And Fulham are general exponents of it. They weren't as bad this season as last year. This year, they just went down holding different bloody parts And at then the ref stopped the game. He gave a little bit of time, but then he stopped the game yeah. and down. That's their problem, isn't it? Really? I mean, and that's the problem. We always get fucking weak referees against these teams like Villa and Fulham, exactly. who are basically just fall into their tactics. I'm yeah. remember the guy who was at refereed us a few times last year, who was who was at, against Fulham home last year, who was absolutely awful. Is it Taylor? And it, no, it, it, it was someone who, well, not Jared Gillett, is it? No, it, it was the guy who refereed us at Charleston as well, and every time he refereed us. Last oh, season, yeah. mm. and he denied us a penalty at Leicester, I think, as well. Maybe yeah. that was maybe it wasn't for them. Yeah, I well, remember Darren England was Fulham last year. Um, yeah. but the one I'm thinking of is so I look at BBC website trying to find it's not Madley, is it? Andy Madley, no, it's it's a guy who's quite new. Um, who I can't remember the name of. This is really exciting for listeners. <laughs> I'm going through <laughs> my phone on the internet trying to find details. Well, what you do, I was going to say about the break in the flow. He did, Salisbury fell for every trap. Okay, the goalkeeper's feigning injury. I'm, I'm convinced that was 100% the case. The other times players stayed down injured. I think, all right, one of those somewhere might be a, a real one. I'm pretty sure they were doing it on purpose to get the game stopped again to break the flow. You can't do much about that up to a point. You can book people from kicking the ball away. But what was infuriating about that was... How he just got he he got into conversations with the player. They, they were complaining about stuff, and he was engaging in conversations with the Fulham players. That's all part of the tactic to slow the game down. Because when you're talking yeah. to the ref, the game stops for a moment, it, and it just breaks the flow. That's obviously the anti-football, which unfortunately, even if yeah. Corbett says he doesn't like, was what was happening. 
Emery, after the game at um, the Amex, said that he didn't like that about Villa in that game. He actually specifically said that. And yet it was still happening. It was a, obviously on-field decisions by the players then, I assume. Yeah. Tom, whoever... Thomas Bramwell is the referee I'm, I'm thinking Thomas of. Bramwell. Yeah. He's a relatively new one, but every time we've had him, he's been useless. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't recognise the name at all. Um, but clearly I'd like not, not to hear it again. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I think he had about three games of ours last year, one of which was at Charleston in the League Cup, one of which was, it might have been Fulham away in the league, actually, when they kind of, he, he basically messed around quite a lot as well, and they time-wasted a lot. But yeah, he, the frustrating thing for me is that, yeah, we've had this thing where, where referees have cut down, been told to cut down on time-wasting, and it clearly is, they've decided, I don't know if they decided after so many, after three or four games, there were so many people being booked that it was just not practical, but they've just backed off completely. And it just seems like, well, yeah, basically teams like Villa and Fulham get away with it all the time. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of refs, by the way, just to put a more positive spin on things, I saw on uh, Football Focus this weekend an interview with a guy called Akil Halsen, who um, has just been signed up to the, I think they call elite level contract or whatever it is, which basically means that they, they can referee Premier League games. I guess he'll, he'll get introduced as a fourth official and as, as a liner at first. But um, Akil Halsen is um, a black referee, um, which is positive for the game, assuming he's a good ref, of course, as with any ref. Um, but yeah, apparently he was um, doing football training week after week. And then one week his mum said, right, you're doing something else. And then you, you've been enrolled on a nine-week refereeing course, which he wasn't happy with because he just wanted, mm. wanted to play football. But he, I think fairly quickly into it, he said he got into it and was was said to be doing well, even though he didn't feel like he was. And um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good positive story. So yeah, please, I mean, please, to be honest, you can't good. really worsen the current lot. So you really hope you'll be good, a because we we need some good referees. God, do we need them? And b because obviously, you know, there are connotations with he's he's he is carrying a lot mm. on his shoulders because being a black referee, I don't think any have refed in the prem since Uriah Rennie. I, I was going to say, is, is is he the last one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think he was the only one actually, wasn't he, at the time? So this may be the second in the Premier League era maybe ever I'm not sure there's loads in the Football League either I don't think it's like many no yeah it's Joe Ross but he was bloody terrible anyway to be honest I remember him waving away a blatant penalty at Luton one year um but anyway, um, yeah, good luck to him. I think it's good. Yeah, to good luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the other games at the weekend, good to see Palace losing, of course. Um, weirdly, Spurs had pretty much identical possession to our in our game, about seventy-one, seventy-two percent. But Palace had more shots, including on target. Yeah. The game, and yeah, it, yeah, was, it, was, it was a good game for Palace. It was historic. They matched the number of different goal scorers we had on the first game of the season after their finally after ten games. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> um. And it was particularly good that they lost, of course. Um, there was actually a, a, it was a questionable offside in that game, wasn't there? I think as well. Was it something to do with a handball? I can't remember. Now. Oh, the, the goal, the Palace goal was a uh, debatable. The Palace goal was handball in a world where Matoma's goal was handball, I think. Yes. So actually, I didn't mind it being disallowed. I didn't think Matoma's was handball, but hmm. the consistency again, to me, it was a similar incident. And it, yeah, it it felt like if Matoma's one was disallowed at Tottenham, then yeah. which he shouldn't have been, then it was it was yeah, it should it should have been that disallowed. But so I didn't do think not mention Tottenham, been, so I, I actually don't mind it being allowed. Peter, don't didn't matter Tottenham. anyway. My blood is boiling just thinking about that game. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Michael Salisbury was always always a favourite. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know how Tottenham season is going to pan out. I suspect they'll finish above us. But in my heart of hearts, I was hoping maybe for a draw there so that we could stay slightly more in touch with Spurs. But I, I, I don't think we will finish above them. I think without them having Europe, I don't think they're serious yeah. challengers for the league. Yeah. People are starting to talk about them as they are. They're not. If they lose one of Madison or Son, their, their level will drop quite significantly going forward, I think. Certainly, if they lost both of them, they haven't got the depth and quality to to challenge for the league title. If you look right. at the squads that City have got, Liverpool have got, Arsenal have got. I know they've got Europe, but they'll all finish above them, I think. But I do think they'll finish above us because they haven't got Europe and well, they're they're better than us. To the honest answer. Yeah, well, exactly. I've got a lot of resources there, and players like Son are brilliant. Um, another team that didn't have Europe last year. Uh, sorry, that didn't um, that finished below us last year. Who don't have Europe this year is Chelsea. Immensely funny, having seemed to have got back on track, but I think three wins, isn't it? Recently, and um, they lost two 0 at home to West London rivals Brentford, who until that game were in the bottom half of the table and struggling a little bit actually for points. Um, I, I well, they lost Rayad and and obviously Tony for the half of the season, and yeah. I think um, Rico Henry is one of their key players out for quite a while yeah. injured as well. So they've mm-hmm. they've lost three key players in the first half of the season and. You know, not really spent a lot of money replacing them, but that they were. I mean, Chelsea looked like they must score first half. I thought I watched that game, and they yeah. were dominant. The second half, they were really poor, and especially once Brentford scored. And obviously, it was very entertaining watching uh, Sanchez trying to chase back after Mope, yeah. and just to show that Mope didn't score. Well, isn't it typical of, Mo- of Mope just having you know the XG versus goal scored thing? It just seemed to sum it up, didn't it? He basically what it was. It was a last minute throw over one forward. Sanchez in the box, headed away, not forwards, and then it was just a basically more more pay and um, uh, who was it? The score Buemo, wasn't it? Buemo, uh, yeah. We're running forwards, um, unchallenged. Sanchez caught more pay up. Um, and there was a slight tangle for a second. And then uh, Morpé didn't even get the assist because it was Sanchez that got the last touch that put it into the path of Mwemo, who then buried it into the empty net, which is what Morpé could have done. Morpé hasn't scored in something like 35 games or something mad now, even though he's back with his more favoured sort of, you know, happy, happy scene sort of Brentford scenario. He still isn't getting the goals. It just seems to sum him yeah. and his XG up. There was a great photo of him in Sanchez's goalkeeping shirt later on, though, which was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Especially anything that winds up Chelsea fans must be, uh, by definition, <laughs> amusing. Yeah. And to be fair, talking about refereeing decisions, they usually favour the bigger clubs. They didn't in this game because, I mean, that was a penalty, wasn't it? Um, Chelsea should have had a pen. Clearly, yeah, I think so, yeah. Pen. Yeah. Um, I'm not complaining because they've had plenty of decisions go their way and it's Chelsea anyway. So <laughs> I'm absolutely loving that. Um so yeah, I mean that that was um, that was fine. And then refereeing decision of the weekend was the Wolves Newcastle one, which oh, and you the Newcastle penalty, which was yeah insane. I mean, quite what he was referee was doing with that is beyond me. Wolves actually have more apologies than we do, I think, if anything. Yeah, maybe we can have a league table of um, apologies. I think we'll be in the top two. We'll be in the Champions League places with Wolves, won't we? Definitely, yeah. Um, <laughs> we can go around Europe getting apologies there as well, you know. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And Villa's relentless home form continues. They beat Luton. Luton really struggling now, aren't they? Um, And, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, And, um, yeah, Sheffield United thrashed Arsenal 5-0. Sheffield United have one point from 10. Sheffield United thrashed Arsenal 5-0. Sorry, the other way around. Arsenal Arsenal thrashed Sheffield United 5-0. Sheffield United have one point in 10 games. Needless to say, their current form is lost, 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 lost. 
they are in genuine contention to beat Derby's record, or rather not beat Derby's record. I don't know which way you word it. Derby, of course, famously only had 11 points one season. God knows how. Um, Sheffield United having a good old crack at that. This is actually the worst start to any Premier League era season. And I think uh, the next four worst starts include Sheffield yeah. United last time. Well, the, there the, the two... Um, so Derby the, went on that list. The three... The three... <laughs> Um, promoted teams have two wins between them in 30 games now I think and one of yeah. those was Burnley at Luton as well yes yeah yeah because you got the only, only time any of them have beaten someone from outside of that was Luton won Everton I think didn't they yeah I think um, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the only time any of them in the 30 in in well this season so far have beaten a team that wasn't one of those three Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's pathetic, really, isn't it? I mean, Bournemouth had a dreadful start, but because they won at the weekend, aren't in the bottom three. Yeah, it's really bad. I'll go to the table in a minute, but just to say that Derby weren't in that worst four or five. Yeah, they had their win around that sort of time, didn't they? I think they had, they beat Newcastle about the tenth game. Yeah, and then they dropped away from there. Well, ten games in, halfway through Sunday's match was officially the quarterway stage of the season. Nine and a half games in. Um, Anyway, after 10 games, Sheffield United have one point. Burnley have four from 10. Luton have five from 10. This is way below the one one point per game average you need. And Bournemouth, outside the relegation zone by a point, only have six from 10. They're really and there's now a bit of a gap after that, after a few results at the weekend. Yeah. Everton winning especially. Yeah, Forest did obviously did lose at Liverpool, but they were already on 10. So Forest have 10, Everton have 10, Fulham obviously up onto 12. Um, level with Palace, who lost, of course, to Spurs. Wolves going above those sides onto 12. And Chelsea, just goal difference ahead of Wolves now in the bottom half of the table. Isn't it wonderful to see? I have um, to say, I, I said at the start of the season, I think the, the bottom three, the three were weak. And I think, said it before, we had the, yeah, the Luton preview. I've not seen anything to, to think otherwise. I think Bournemouth will improve because the way Iriola has them playing is quite takes time to get used to, but I think they will, and I think they'll be better again in January. Hmm. I think I the was... bottom three will go down into the season, um, the bottom, current bottom three. They it just look, win, Burnley it? haven't got the players to play the way company wants in the Premier League, and yeah. Luton and Sheffield just aren't good enough, hmm. in all honesty. I think Burnley looked impressive last season, but you just don't get the sort of time on the ball that they still yeah. seem to but want. But to play that way is very, very difficult, unless you have really good players. Company plays a very open style. Burnley's good seasons came on the back of a you know, a, you know, a battle for every ball and having big, strong players who score from set pieces under Dyche. It's very hard to, to come straight up and do well with a team who plays open football. You know, Leeds had an exceptional team and managed it for one season that did really well and then started to struggle when Bamford stopped scoring. Hmm. They, but Burnley don't have the player to score the goals that Bamford did that first season. So it's always, I think it's really it's... difficult, isn't it? I mean, Blackpool tried it. Other teams have tried to play the way yeah. out of it. I mean, when, it was interesting when we went up. We had Hewton. We were playing quite a good brand of football and it was quite possession-based and we were quite attacking. But Hewton's the sort of manager that could then click into what we needed to do in the first couple of seasons. And yeah, it wasn't comfortable and we only just made it in the second season particularly. Um, but we did what we needed to do. And I think really Burnley needed to find a different system to adapt to and, and maybe yeah. strengthen more as well. And Sheffield United have just lost their best two players and haven't replaced them. And yeah, they... I mean, that was bizarre. I mean, going up and selling Ndai and um, Berg, especially Sander Berg, selling, selling to a rival as well. Yeah, to, to Burnley, wasn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's just insane. So, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I think it was such a big one to get right at the weekend when they did. I'm glad they took five and a half minutes to get it right because the, the ramifications around, I mean, Irrieli could have got sacked if they'd not beaten Burnley. Yeah. Burnley, Bournemouth could yet be a huge relegation battle. Even though it took five and a half minutes, I'm glad they did that and got it right rather than just going with their first randomly drawn line and getting it wrong because yeah. that could have had massive ramifications and we'd have been talking about that for a while. You know, and it, it's not, yeah, it's not good enough. I mean, you could argue the Arsenal Brentford one last year had major ramifications because Arsenal then started getting caught by City as they went along and eventually yeah. did get caught by City comfortably. That's true. But they, but they, you know, they started dropping points. We, yeah, we could have missed out on Europe with the Palace or we could have, as you talked said at the time, if we won that game, maybe we'd have been that ne- bit nearer the Champions League and possibly done it. So yeah, it's these things are you know kind of can be huge either way, and I'm glad they got it right in the end because yeah, if they got it wrong and Irrela got sacked or something, yeah, I mean, exactly. Bournemouth frankly would have been stupid to do that. They, they yeah. bought players to suit his style. He's got a very specific style. They bought players to suit his style. They should stick by him. It'd be ludicrous to do that, but. Yeah. It's happened before, and they were stu- weird to sack O'Neill in the first place. Who, to be I fair, mean, is doing a very good job at Wolves. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, he is. He's doing a very good job, and I, I I'm in two minds. I'm ambivalent about Bournemouth because, on the one hand, I don't want a manager that's done well getting sacked, that team to then thrive as a result. Mm-hmm. You just don't want that to happen because it encourages that to happen again. On the other hand, and I know that um, Andy, for example, on the, of this parish, Andy Knott, uh, hates the petrochemical ownership factor mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And yeah, they're kind of, it's a bit annoying, uh, a little bit in some regards for, for Bournemouth. But I do like the fact that they've appointed someone to try and play yeah. a decent brand of football. You want that to work. They're being a bit brave, but they're doing it in a different way to Burnley, I think. And uh, yeah, who they've, as you said, they've, they've recruited according to what they need to do. They obviously, they're a bit more settled in the division because they've already been up there for another season. Um, and I, so I, I understand why Bournemouth got rid of O'Neill, I think. I understand okay. the purpose. I think it's a lot more so my current bugbear is Birmingham, who haven't learned from previous mis- you know, problems they've had in the past yeah. and have sacked a really underappreciated, no, not underappreciated, but under not uh, not well-known big name in management and mm. replaced them with a big name, yeah. which is completely the wrong decision to make. And it really has already lost three in a row in, in charge. Yeah, they, just they, as they did with um, sacking Rower and bringing Zola in previously, yeah. they've done it with Eustace, who was doing a fantastic job there, and yeah, replaced him with Rooney, who is massively unproven. I mean, he, to be fair, he did okay at Derby when you know they were they were yeah, yeah but he's not doing any better thing. than John but he still Eustace. took them down. So he's not doing any better than John Eustace was doing. Well, they've dropped them from sixth to like mid table, I think now, which is so yeah. yeah I mean. Whereas I think with Bournemouth, I'm, if you're going to if you're going to invest and put money into a, into a club, you want the manager to play the style, make play the style of play that you want. And I understand, and you want to play, if you want to play this open passing game, O'Neill probably wasn't the right man. So I get where they came from, although I think it was a quite quite harsh decision. I don't, I do understand where they were coming from. Whereas mm-hmm. Birmingham was just shocking. I mean, they to sack Eustace when he had them sixth in the league after they've been bottom half for the last four or five years. It's an insane decision. I mean, it's yeah, in mid-season as well. It just makes zero sense. And yeah. they said some sort of weird, like he, there was like they needed someone that shared their vision or some sort of bollocks like that. This is this is what happened at Gillingham in League One because they've oh, is it League One or League Two? League, League One. Two. Oh, League Two. They sat to it was Neil Harris, wasn't it? Who's playing, I think, a rudimentary yeah. old school style of football, but he was getting them playing um, to a much higher degree 
than they've been doing for many, many years. They're in and around the playoff positions and they sacked him and um, they brought in an, another manager and they've got into ambivalent form now. They'll probably slip away. Crazy. These teams don't learn. And who's the well, other While one? we're on Gillingham, yeah. we have a little bit of a rant about that. The racism. Incidents at the weekend. I mean, yeah. ignoring the fact that it was obviously awful and terrible. How stupid can you be? I mean, literally, if ever, if ever anyone was banged to rights, it, it just... How thick are you to go and on in this day and age when there's so many cameras around? Yeah, to, not to, even to, just sit in your seat and do it, but to actually go and jump in front of everyone. What an just, idiot! Just to and, explain, this was um, Bogle scored a penalty for Newcastle. Yeah. Um, he was probably getting grief, I would imagine. So he went over and baited the the home fans after scoring. Maybe not the best thing to do, but there we go. And then a guy did a monkey gesture right in front of him. I mean, he's jumping up and down in front of him. It's just yeah. insane. He's obviously, going to be on camera. Obviously, going to be on camera. He's. Been I hope arrested. he gets a prison sentence. Well, he's nothing else just for being so stupid. Frankly, he's been arrested. He's got a ban for life from the club, and um, the the criminal connotations are yet to be known. But um, yeah, I mean, and there was some other what people. A fucking moron. And what's funny is that uh, Bogle then went on and scored another one. Yeah. Another penalty. Which is great. <laughs> and then baited the crowd again. But, yeah, I mean, you just have to... Yeah, I just words fail me. Obviously, it's horrendous as well. I mean, it's such a blatantly racist, obnoxious, awful thing to do. But mm. to do it quite so blatantly in front of... Uh, yeah, so... It's just, what were you thinking? Seriously. Even if you have these awful racist opinions... I mean, if, if you if you do it in a stand, you're sat in your seat. At least you might just get away with it, I suppose. But to stand in front of everyone and do it, I mean, what a fucking moron! Yeah, and good luck with that prison sentence. That's what he should get, I think. Um, yeah, oh, I should, mean, there's no question. They should literally throw the book at him, and he, I mean, actually throw a book at him, a really big book as well. Yeah, as well as giving him the the <laughs> criminal sentence. Yeah, definitely. Just throw some what? random objects at him, just for being so thick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, incredible. Um, well, words really... genuinely fail me, although that's not the case here because I've been saying quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, it, it literally, to use another of your favourite words, isn't true. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that, that's that. I and mean, not the most likeable of clubs anyway. There seem to be a lot of Neanderthals at that game, actually, looking at, look at the contorted, um, <laughs> ignorant-looking rage on the faces of some other of their fans as well but anyway they they lost the game so oh dear never mind what a shame yeah, yeah. i think they, they they were like top of league two at one point i mean one like i think every game one nil like that to start of the season like five in a row and then yeah. since then they've dropped dramatically so uh yeah um, real shame on a on a positive note i i want to kind of like uh as a in terms of a manager and in terms of a we're talking about football and football football league generally um, Kieran McKenna and Ipswich oh, having yeah. an absolutely incredible start to the season and, and I actually really hope they come up because I really enjoy trips to Ipswich and yeah. we haven't played them for so long it's been about six, seven years since, we, well, since we've gone up and yeah I love a day out of Ipswich and they, he took over with them pretty much I think was it Paul Cook was it, or it, was, it was before him anyway was sacked and they were like mid-table at best in League One and he's, they, they've had the second best start ever in the first 12 games in, league, in the Championship and the only team better than Leicester are ahead of them at the moment. No one else has ever had a better start in the championship, I think, rather than the, yeah. the second tier, but certainly the championship. They've, won, this... they've drawn one game of their first... They've drawn one of their first 12 or something like that, or yes, drawn two. Right. Hmm. And there is a bit of a tradition, isn't there, of clubs with a pretty 
sizable reputation dropping into League One. We've had Southampton, I could say Brighton, but Southampton, we've had Forest, we've had Man City, you've had Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Bradford are in League Two, but um, Ipswich are not another team, of course. And it's not easy to get out. And a lot of those clubs have struggled. Wednesday have taken ages getting out. They've got what they deserve, which is they didn't uh, meet Darren Moore's um, probably quite reasonable requests. Uh, they parted company. They've appointed the wrong manager. They've had a disastrous season, almost equating to their city rival, Sheffield United, which is quite funny as well. Um, but they've got out there, but it took them a while to get out. It took Ipswich quite a while to get out. It's taken Portsmouth quite a while to get out. Yeah. It looks like they might do it this season because they're top and looking good. But Ipswich, they've, they've, as you said, they've transformed under um, McKenna, ran away with it. They, they've, they've won, they, won, they won the title, or did Plymouth win it in the end? I think Ipswich won it, didn't hey, they? Plymouth won it, I think. But oh. either way, it's like... I mean, well, they got nearly 100 points, got promoted quite justly. And they're second in the first season yeah. of ages in the championship. Well, I think the first, the first again, pre-season, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, I did actually um, predict, say, Ipswich would do, would do well. And I didn't think they'd do this well, but I thought they'd be up there. Well, I thought Plymouth would be as well, and they've dropped a bit recently and are yeah. struggling a bit. But well, well, while um, on the subject, I did say Leicester might struggle because I thought their financial turmoil might be a yeah. thing. It looks and like actually, they're gonna... I, I, out, again outside of Ipswich, the other three top four teams are the relegated teams from last year, which yeah. shows you that there may be again the gaps widening between the top two divisions. You know, the three, yeah. the bottom three in the Premier League are the the, the three promoted sides and the. In the three relegated sides, Premier League top four in the Championship. So yeah, should... I really hope Ipswich come up. I'd really like a trip there. I've, I haven't been there for six, seven years. Um, if they win their game in hand, they're back up. They're up to like about ten and clear or something like that of third yeah. place, which is incredible. And imagine if you know McKenna. You know he takes on a League One job. Two years later, he's, he's a Premier League manager. Yeah, he must be one of the most up and coming young English managers around. Oh, he's, well, he's, he's not English, but um, is he not? Um, oh, is he Irish? Isn't he? Irish? Is he? All right, one of the one of the most up and coming British and Irish managers around. You know, kind of. And I mean, on any other season, they might well have been top as well because I mean, well, I think it's the second best ever start in the Championship. Only yeah. Leicester. Have- the thing with 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 the championship with, with Leicester, one of the reasons I, I thought they might be more financial turmoil than they were mm-hmm. because I've, I've been hearing about the family behind the scenes. That's one of the reasons I thought they might struggle. The other one is I didn't expect them to appoint a manager who would do quite so well. Another, a mate of Deserve, it's uh, Medesca. Yeah. Enzo uh, Maresca, yeah, yeah, he, Enzo Medesca, yeah, he's a, a great manager. He's done a brilliant job, and you cannot emphasise enough how much the coach matters. He and McKenna have quite deservedly finished the top two mm. so far. Leeds, to be fair, have appointed a manager that's done the business at that level. Uh, Russell Martin maybe is a little bit more of the we weren't quite sure scenario, but he's doing well. Um, but if you look at the table, Leicester have got 39 points from 14 games. Ipswich have got 34, so they're trailing by five. A, but, but 13, though, they've got a game in hand. Yeah, and Leeds are in third place. You've had a solidly good season and nine points behind them from 14 games. So, um, you know, it's... The, to yeah, if it's from their game in hand, they'll be 12 clear of third place, which... is uh, incredible. <laughs> I mean, I think Leicester are up already, effectively. I mean, there's no way Leicester won't go up. Ipswich are a bit more questionable because they've... Whether they've got the depth of squad, if they have a few injuries, because they've come up. Leicester, I think, are up already. I mean, that's just yeah. insane, isn't it? 39 points from 14 games and... But it, yeah. But yeah. Ironically, at the weekend, they actually took quite a late goal to beat QPR, who then sacked their manager, Gareth Ainsworth, afterwards. So, 
Yeah, a few, few sackings. Gareth Ainsworth's gone. Um, a, a guy we faced last season, Grimsby manager Paul Hurst has gone. Yeah, I feel a bit harsh on him, to be honest. Second um, spell, I think. Yeah, they, they dropped to 21st now, but they've done, done such a good job before that, took them up again, and you feel a bit sorry for him. And then the two Bristols. I mean, we can all be sympathetic yeah. with Joey Barton. Yeah. Lovely but, bloke. I mean, with, with Nigel Pearson, I, I mean, he's, he's again, it's kind of fairly rudimentary football by and large. But even they lost the game at the weekend. I think they sacked him before the weekend, didn't they? No, um, I think it was after the weekend. Bro, Barton was last week. Pearson was this weekend. Oh, was it? Okay, so they... They lost okay, to Cardiff this weekend, didn't they? So Yeah, they lost the game to their rivals, but Cardiff are very good at home at the moment, and they're in the playoffs now. Yeah, they're having a good season, considering. And, and in fact, Bristol City are only five points off the playoffs, and Bristol City have been uh, pretty much a nailed-on mid-table championship. Yeah, and they lost Alex Scott in the summer, exactly. who obviously is their best player. Yeah. And they've had... They've, they've regularly... They were saying Pearson's done a really good job in balancing the books and letting mm. higher play, paid players go and bringing young players through, and there's actually a massive mixed feeling about whether about the sacking from yeah. what I've read. There's a lot of Bristol City fans are not happy about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the table, I'm really pleased with some of the teams. Obviously, we mentioned Ipswich in second. But you're looking at Liam Rossini's Hull in seventh place, yeah. goal difference off the playoffs. You've got Preston in ninth, and a team who are, again, perennial mid-table. Although they're dropping, actually. They're, they're, they were top at one point after yeah, early on. Five, I think it's seven games without a win, actually. Yeah. Five games lost. But I, I, can I just say, I think early tip is a long way off, possibly, but I think Racine will be a future Albion manager. Mm. I think he's a, done a brilliant job at Harlem. He's got Connolly scoring, which is quite impressive. And, okay. um, yeah, I think he, I think he's, he's, he's one of those people that you saw the way he handled himself and the way he was on the pitch. He looked like he'd be a good manager. Yeah. You know, he felt like he's, you know, he's an intelligent bloke. He, he knows the game. He studied the game. His dad obviously was a manager as well. So he's, he's obviously been in the game a long time through, you know, through his dad as well. And yeah, I, I think he'll be an excellent top division manager at some point and possibly with Albion. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he, he's got the potential to do it. Lovely guy. Uh, I think a, a man who conducts himself with real dignity and ability. Uh, he's handled various situations very well. Yeah. Spoken and that's the interesting people. one. If you say lovely guy, is it, does he have that? Yeah, the edge yeah. to him to do that, he's, and that's he's certainly got some passion on match days. So yeah, in the fans and all that stuff. Um, one team, you know, well, a couple of teams actually to mention. Disappointed Coventry are having a bit of a struggle so far. Yeah, sacked Gary Rowett. Speaking of Gary Rowett, early with Birmingham. Well, actually, I think it was a mutual agreement. Actually, yeah, I think it felt like he. He from the statements I read, he looked like he maybe had enough as well. And it's not gone well since they since he's left though. They're down to eighteenth with you know um, mid table when he when he left, weren't they? So yeah, four games without a win. Um, and unfortunately, Plymouth struggling. I really hope Plymouth and Coventry can go up. In the into mid table because I don't want to see them down there really. I no, think. I don't either. I think mean, at the bottom three are not Norwich, very good at the moment. Norwich seventeenth, so. Norwich seventeenth, Watford sixteenth. Those teams would probably be disappointed, yeah. wouldn't they? Teams who, yeah, previously have obviously come straight back up again, and now if they, they is it their second season, both of them, Norwich and Watford. If they don't go up this year, they lose the the um the parachute payments, and suddenly that becomes a lot more difficult then to go up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a team who stuck with their manager in League One for ages with Carl Robinson, who tends to have jobs for ages. I don't know how he manages to do it. He, he's done sort of middlingly well at Oxford, and they always looked like they might be about to do something and never quite did. They've got new owners in. Even the new owners stuck with him for quite a while. Eventually, they've changed managers, and over a, a shorter period of time, they're up in second place behind Portsmouth, three points With uh, Albion goalkeeper 
playing very well for them. Indeed, yes. Yeah. I've um, seen some very good reviews from Oxford fans of James Beadle talking about him playing for England one day and stuff and and one or two of them saying if there any chance of signing him permanently and, and others laughing at him and, and then saying like no no way. And also yeah. talking about whether if they went up, whether they get him again next year, which I actually think would be a very good option if he went then, you know. Yeah, probably would be, I think. I think it wouldn't be too bad. Um at the other end of the table, Cheltenham are up to a dizzy number of six goals uh, now. Overtaken Reading as well. They've overtaken Reading in the table, not in terms of goal scored. In fact, no. they're, only, they're only one behind Shrewsbury. They're almost not the lowest scorers now. But yeah, Reading, obviously, they've had points deductions. Reading are bottom with six. And they went 2-0 up against Portsmouth, who are top of the table, and then proceeded to lose the game. It was quite yeah, funny. a game I want both teams to lose that. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of Reading. Uh, I noticed they've got a very large number of Chavy fans that go in the home end next to the away end, if you see what I mean. And yeah. they're constantly doing gestures and crap to the whoever the away team is week after week they were off the scale doing that other weekend so i found it immensely funny actually that they lost and i don't normally revel in a portsmouth victory but that was quite funny but yeah Reading Port- portsmouth are looking a real deal now as well and, uh, interestingly yeah. after a few big names isn't it john Massinho, who's their manager now who isn't a big name and isn't necessarily that well known and still young, a, a rather it? lower league journeyman when playing and yeah. he's done a really good job there and you know maybe after all the kind of relatively big names of you know, yeah. people like the Cowleys, who obviously have, you know, weren't huge names, but were quite big in a lower league and a few others. They've actually found the right formula and look like, I mean, they look like they're going to go up now, don't they? I mean, they've had an amazing start to the season. Um, but okay. yeah, there, there are, if you look at the number of big names in that league, though, still, like teams like Charlton, who are mid table and Derby, Derby lost to Stevenage at the weekend. Much yeah. as I don't like him, Steve Evans has done an incredible job there. Yeah. So they've gone above Derby into the playoff position. Yeah. I mean, as a result. They're a, they're a middling League Two side, probably on paper, okay. and he's got them in the top six. And I'm not sure they'll stay in the top six of League One, but he's got them to the point where they probably will stay up this year. Yeah. Speaking of Charlton, your local, your now local team, their game's on live on Sky. Uh, yeah, it always is on, on Sunday, is it? BBC on Cray Valley Paper Mills. Yeah. It's unusual to give the um, the underdogs as an away team uh, a live game, isn't it? But they've, um, they've gone for it. Um, it can work out, can't it? You do get some shocks away from home as well. Um, the local derby. Are you going to the game, Peter? I am going to the game, yes, on Sunday. <laughs> that should be fun. Are you going in the away end? Uh, no, because uh, I'm going with my wife and a few other people, a few other like, friends of hers. So, um, yeah, we're going in the home end, but hmm. it could be quite interesting in the away end. I wonder how many fans they'll actually take. The away end was actually on sale on the Charlton website, I think probably because... Cray Valley Paper Mill don't have a website with the technology to actually sell <laughs> tickets online, I imagine. <laughs> I, love I love it. Worthing we definitely have to do a trip up there sometime, though, when they're playing in the league. Yeah, and Worthing, Worthing are playing Alfreton away on the Saturday. I can't make... Barnes are at Kurt and Ashton. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going, I wasn't going to Everton anyway, and I, I've got uh, other plans. Otherwise, I would have gone to Alfreton. I'm really gutted to miss that. Um, first round for the One first... One of my grounds over you, then, still. Yes, yeah. Well, Alfreton? Yeah. You've been to Alfreton? Yeah, I saw a bonnet there one year. What the hell? <laughs> I've had this conversation with you before. Yeah, you did, probably. But I think no. you were equally surprised then as well. Yeah, so probably I've had some drinks, by the way, at the time. Speaking of which, we enjoy cloud water in Manchester. I've had um, a, a tin of set it up, and I'm now drinking a tin of Zitrus Kitzel, I think it's pronounced. It's I easy mean, for you to say. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Which is a citrus Berliner Weisse. It's kind of like citrusy... 
IPA really, but it's, it's quite nice. Yeah, set it up as good. Cloud water's great in general, isn't it? You got your Pretty- beers lined up for uh, Amsterdam then. Train beers. <laughs> Absolutely. Eurostar. Um, we'll do a special. We'll, we'll do a, 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 an away day, spe- well, an away week special. I don't know what we're going to call it yet. Uh, Amsterdam special um, involving the three days. I think that's the plan for that one. Um, but rounding off this episode, just to quickly talk about League Two as well, while we've been talking about EFL. Stockport, they've been, since they went up, I think it was a year or two ago, they've been looking it's like... Only, it's only one year. First season that they got to the playoffs. Yeah, which is very good in the first year. And they're looking on the rise. They've, they've got um, resurgence. They've got a feel-good factor amongst the fans. Big crowds doing well. Five points clear at the top on account of the fact that Notts County played their old adversaries from last season, Wrexham, and lost at home 2-0. Paul Mullen amongst the scorers again, I think. There, Re- Wrexham that. seem to have the, the yeah, you know, yeah. the have it over Notts County, don't they? They, they seem to, they beat them both times last year, I think, as well. And they, yeah. And that result suited Stockport because they've kept a five-point gap. Is it Dave Chandler still their manager? Um, Not sure he is. Or is it? No, yeah, it might be. It might be, yeah. So Stockport on 35, Notts County and Wrexham on 30. And Mansfield are having a good season. Uh, Really good at home. They're up on to 29. Crewe having a good season on 29. Morecambe on 28. I think all of them won. Accrington on 26, lost. Gilliam dropped out of the, uh, or out of the top seven Thanks to that home defeat to Newport, Snigger. What a shame. <laughs> um, and the big one for me is that the bottom of that league, Tranmere, a second bottom. I mean, that is yeah. a that's a huge name to go down if they. I know it they've is. not been in the top flight like Luton had and that sort of thing, but for a long time. But they've it'd been, been disappointing too because they're not solid championship well side run. for a while, and that's they're, a they're huge run. name to be down the bottom too. They're run by what's his name? He used to be on the FA. Um, forgotten his name. Um, he's a he's a Tranmere fan, and he's a. He was FA chief executive before. I can't remember his name. It's gone out of my head. Um, but he's he's been the owner chairman for ages, and they're a really well run club, really nice club. It's a shame if they go down, but um, they're struggling. Sutton look like they might drop as well. Sutton on ten, Tranmere ten, Forest Green on thirteen. They got a big win at the weekend against Crawley, and Grimsby obviously. You know, thus Paul Hurst getting sacked. Mark Palios. Palios, that's it. Mark Palios, yeah. Yeah, him and his wife, I believe, run on the club, which is the same kind of scenario as Mansfield, isn't it, actually? Um, at the other end of the table. Anyway, there we yeah, go. Yeah, Clough's doing a good job there. They've missed out by quite tight, quite light. I think they, didn't they miss out in the playoffs not a lot by like one goal last year or something like that, Probably, Mansfield? Yeah. Um, that National League, just to say Barnet having a really good season. Yeah, I was just going to say into non league, Barnet doing a, keeping the pressure on Chesterfield. Both teams keep winning, don't they? They're really? playing each other next weekend. I think not. It's yeah. FA Cup this weekend. I think it's the weekend after they go to Chesterfield. So mm. it's, a, it's a tough one. I think it's a huge game that they've got to get something from it because otherwise, if Chesterfield win that and win their game in hand, they're eight clear already. And that's a yeah. long way back. I don't see them catch. I think Chesterfield are relentlessly big. Yeah, I, I think Chesterfield are pretty. They've got a deeper squad. They've been up there for a few years now. And, and last season, they were unlucky that Notts County and Wrexham were in their stride. Um, I think yeah. they probably, it's about time they came back up. A big club as well. But even then, they were only they were minutes away from winning that final against Notts County. Seconds yeah. even, wasn't it? It was yeah. right at the end. They equalised. Yeah, so I mean, if, I, I wouldn't begrudge Chesterfield going up, even though another team we don't really like. But um, they, they they'll probably win it. But if Barnet go up in the playoffs, I think they'll deserve it based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, Worthing they've they've not been good recently, apart from in the cup match where they beat Bath, the game we were at. But they've gone and played Bath away and got back on form with a nice solid two nil. Literally, can we play every week? 
and win 2-0 every week. Yeah, um, a really big win that. Bath are one of the only teams above Worthing in the table. I think Worthing were eighth at start of play and they got a 2-0 win at Bath, which is brilliant. A uh, one-all draw there last season. Um, right in the mix. But Yeovil are relentless. They're going to run away with that yeah. division, which means it's going to be playoffs again at best for Worthing. But I reckon they'll get in there. I think they'll they'll do that. Peter, a couple of other quick things. Sheffield Wednesday, just reverting back to them. Um, Chan Siri is now talking about financial issues. Uh, apparently, he made a statement saying uh, he wants some um, fans to raise money. And he was saying, oh, if 20,000 people just contributed £100 each, you know, just during a, a cost of living crisis, no problem at all in the north of England, um, then they'd raise the £2 million they need to pay for whatever they need to pay for uh, to avoid a transfer embargo, presumably not paying wages or something. Um, what a mess they've got into. He's supposedly... Yeah, I mean, yeah, to be honest, I'd like to make, use this point to make an appeal to 20,000 people out there as well. If you pay me £100 each, then I'd have a, I'd have £2 million to not have to work for quite a while. So that'd be really helpful. Well, I'm asking the same people just to pay £10 each. And that would do me. The 200000 or whatever it is, that would, that would do me. That would be fine. Have I pushed it too far? I've been too greedy, have I? You have been a bit greedy there, Peter. Yeah, yeah. OK, well, let's finish in a nice light-hearted mode with um, a rant. Peter, Saudi Arabia, World Cups, and I, I've listened to a couple of podcasts recently, and the, the the professional journalists on those podcasts were struggling to restrain themselves from angry outbursts uh, as to what's going on with uh, the bidding, or is it even bidding, uh, the decision-making for World Cups. I think, I think bidding in terms of like an auction sort of thing rather than yeah. actually a... Uh... Rant away, sir. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, so I... Not totally in favour of it. <laughs> that, uh, that would be ranty. <laughs> Saudi Arabia have an appalling human rights record. Um, they also own Newcastle, obviously, as well, allegedly. Um, so, yeah, so I, I just don't understand. We've had it in that er- area of the world. I thought the whole point was we're supposed to be spreading the World Cup around and having it in different parts of the world. Well, we've had that one. We had it in Qatar last year. Why are we then going back three World Cups later to Saudi Arabia? Why does Australia not get it? Why does it not go to Africa? Why does it not? Yeah. Why are we going back to that part, you know, part of the world where we can't have it in the, the normal? So it'll have to be another winter one, which will completely screw up the season again. Probably by the time, you know, you know, 12 years after it's happened before the, yeah. If I even considered the idea that it might be down to actual possible, you know, possibly they were thinking about it from a football point of view. I've, I'd be less ranty, but we all know that they're corrupt and that, that basically that this is all that's happening is they're the ones who are lining the pockets of FIFA representatives more and more than anyone else. Mm. There's absolutely no question about that. Basically, FIFA are corrupt. Yeah. They're proving Look, it again. They're an absolute disgrace. And I was listening, a professional journalist on the pod I was talking about, I think it was one of the athletic pods or totally football, which is athletic anyway. Um, they, they were saying that FIFA's redundant. It's completely redundant as an organisation in terms of its validity, its point, its purpose uh, for the good of football. Basically, it has no no place anymore because it, it's yeah. a farce. It's not. These aren't footballing decisions. The original thing was they had Europe, other part of the world, Europe, other part of the world. Now, I understand you want to change that format because although Europe is a stronghold for football, I can understand how you might go, right, OK, Australia one year. Europe, then maybe the Americas, then Africa, then Europe, something like that. And maybe once in a while you might do the Middle East if it's for footballing reasons. But um, yes, Saudi Arabia does have a football-loving culture, um, but it's not a huge football nation. No. 
And as you've said, they've already had it recently for to disrupt the whole of the majority of the football world's diary. Again, just three World Cups later, it's yeah. just acceptable. It makes the, me actually wish Seth Blatter was back. Yeah, almost, almost, and that's saying something. Australia missed out already, of course, on the previous one. Yeah. Um, and it's not as if, you said Africa, it's not as if they're not willing to have multi-host um, nation yeah, exactly. Which would facilitate Africa having it. You know, well, you the one before has got five stations or something or yeah. six. I mean, some some of what's coming up is is okay. You know, the idea I like the idea of Morocco, Spain, Portugal was fine. That's good because it's it actually makes sense geographically. And you although know, barring the bizarre games being in South America as well, well yeah, and that's to do with the, the the centenary thing, isn't it, of the World Cup, wanting to give them some acknowledgement. But do you really need to do that? Yeah, or if, if you did, why didn't you not just put the World Cup in South America? Exactly. Just say, look, you could plan that well ahead. You could see well, well ahead. 15, 20 years ago, yeah. it might be a thing to do. And you could even steer it that way. Say, right, you guys, do you want to do a centenary for World Cup? If you do, tell us now. That's what a normal organisation Yeah, and then the last year's one would have been in, could have been in USA, Canada or Mexico last year mm-hmm. instead. Then this next one in Europe and then that one in South America. The whole thing's just a farce. I mean... Yeah, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Oh, is... God. I can't bear to say his name. Yeah, Infantino. Infantino is an absolute joke. I mean, the guy is basically more corrupt than anyone we've ever seen before. I, how on earth he is heading up it, the biggest football body in the world is beyond me. It's because he's an absolute cretin. He's, and... he's omnipotent, Peter. He is everything. He's gay, he's disabled. He's a he's a he's a worker working in fifty degree heat in in in, um, in Qatar. He's he's everything. Didn't you know that? <laughs> he he is an embarrassment. He really is. Along he's with absolute jokes and 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 he leads in a way. He leads sums up FIFA as a whole. They just all follow and he. It's yeah. I mean, if that if you say, but what is the point of FIFA now? They're just you might as well just have countries putting their money into to bid for the World Cup and put the most money in. And then you just take the one who bids the most. Because that's all that's happening with Saudi Arabia and Qatar. I said it back in the time of of Sepp Blatter, and it's even more valid now. It's time to break away from FIFA. Talk about breakaways. This is is what we should break away from, FIFA. Because what's the point of them? They're there for their own benefit. They're self-serving. Every World Cup that's awarded, they get tax-free. They make an enormous profit. Um, some of which does go back into into grassroots around the world, which is fair enough. But then they can afford to make that benevolent gesture because they're making massive fortunes yeah. and they're fat cats feeding at the trough. Uh, sorry, fat pigs feeding at the trough. They are a disgrace. They're repulsive. They're everything I hate about corrupt, um, privileged um, organisations. It's a good thing, though, that European not... bodies even a lot better, though. Yeah, Seferin and UEFA. What's, what's the damn point of those guys? <laughs> they're Just all great really... as well. Let's all break they, you know, find people a, a massive amount of money for their wrong sponsorship and find them a lot less for racist abuse and stuff. You know, that's uh, exactly. they're, they're yeah. fantastic. And taking away loads of seats for um, our first ever season, yeah. various other clubs, first ever seasons or second ever seasons. Their mates can all sit in there. And for the final as well, for that West Ham final last year, they had like so many seats, even though it's a tiny ground for a final. And blaming Liverpool fans for their own incompetence, plus the French police's incompetence, that sort of thing. They're no better than FIFA. I would say let's all break away, but then can you trust the other nations? Look at Spain, look at Rubiales, uh, yeah. who, who was being backed by the Spanish FA until it became completely untenable, which, in fact, it was way after it became completely untenable. They still deny reality for quite It became untenable the day it happened. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, they, 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 they keep untenable going for ages, like the British government do. It's unbelievable. And Rubiales is now, he's got a three-year ban from football involvement, and he's now appealing it and still denying he did anything wrong. And yet yeah. he's got a restraining order put on him by the player he kissed on the lips inappropriately. Surely that should tell you, if the, if the Spanish courts have said, this player, you, is, is, you're, you've got a, a restraining order against someone you've worked with. Surely that must tell you, yes, actually, you must have done something wrong. Even I've gone though slightly you... too far with this. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? It's incredible. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, the sad thing is none of this is that surprising. No, it's not. It's... No, no. Yeah. Well, anyway, that pretty much wraps it up. I don't think there's any much else to mention. Other than to, to mention, we had a few weeks ago... Um, uh, the author of the book about the Albion strikers came on and uh, his book is actually just uh, just being published now. We'll give further details when we have it. And um, that, that is apparently on sale. Um, but we'll get the details. We'll, we'll mention that on the next podcast when we know. Um, but that's something coming up. Um, Kieran Maguire's got a new book out as well, hasn't he? I'm looking forward to having a read of that soon as well, Peter. In fact, we have Kieran Maguire coming up at Seagulls Over London. We should we mention do. that to anyone who is a member or might be thinking of being a member. You can come to the Horseshoe Pub in Clerkenwell. Yeah. And you get to meet us in person. That's the main what thing. What more could you want? Yeah, I mean, Kieran Maguire's neither here nor there. It's all about us, obviously, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'd be good to good to see Kieran again as well. And um, you can get to see the faces that are made for radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hiding in the shadows. Um, the faces behind the crap. <laughs> in the meantime, thank you for listening as always. Please rate and review us on on Apple. And actually, I've discovered you can rate it on Spotify. I didn't think you could for a while, but there is a, a quite hard to find but actually clickable. Um, rating option on spotify please do it will help us with our ratings and algorithms and whatever else and all that other nonsense and um, that will be great there is the patron patreon thing as well which is on our details on our episode notes please join us on that if you can as well any contributions will be welcome Twenty thousand of you put a hundred pounds in will be well off well, tw- yeah, 20,000. Um, just you can donate what you want. So £100 each, 20,000 of you. Yeah. Or if 100 can- of you donate 20,000 each, that would be really good as well. Then, then we could do this. We retire, Peter. We could do this every day. We could have a daily yeah. podcast. Imagine that. <laughs> Our wives would be delighted. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I think we should wrap it up. So, Peter, thank you very much for joining me as always. Thank you. Fun for- as ever. It was indeed, and it was good to get Emilio on. So thank you to Emilio yeah. for joining us earlier to give the Fulham view. It's, it's, it's a long bit, time ago now. It does feel like <laughs> a, hours ago, because it, it, it is, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply